You are listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. This episode features Craig Growth of The Interpreters and is a part of the Dream Conference held at The River. (laughs) I was at a Dream class in Iowa City a few weeks ago, and at the end of the first night, I said, well, go home tonight, call up your friends, invite your friends, invite your aunt. Uh, invite invite your pets, just don't invite a moose. Just don't bring a moose. I say, yeah, bring your friends, bring your pets, just don't bring a moose. And by the way, so there again, sometimes you will say things and you don't understand. I walked, uh, you know, I started walking back of the back of the sanctuary or whatever. A man came right up to me, unfolded a little piece of notepaper, and there's a picture that he drew of a moose. And he had just drawn it during the church service. And he drew it because... He, he, he wanted that to remind him that he needs to invite moose, something representing that moose, a person, to the service the next day. And he went to my wife and said, I'm really confused now. I want to invite from this dream class, I want to invite moose. Or invite a person who represented that. Yeah, maybe Moose Johnson. <laughs> and you know what? My, right, right. But my wife said, I wouldn't if I was you. Because Craig said, don't bring a moose. I mean, that, you know, okay, you have to decide. Now, was that God or is that just Craig being goofy? I am kind of goofy sometimes. But <laughs> the point is, is that you may want to listen to the Lord. If you believe that was the Lord, then you may not want to bring. It was your idea, but it wasn't a God idea. It just wasn't time or whatever. And we just don't need to question. Not that it would have been such a curseful thing, but maybe, he, maybe uh, whatever. All right, so let's go. We can, we can start on this one even without uh, them, uh, whoever they are. <coughs> and they're maybe not even coming back. They so anyway, they're lingering. All right. Three Bullet Holes Dream. I found this in the, our local newspaper one day. They, they, there were two psychic ladies who had this syndicated column called the Dream Zone. And it was in the St. Cloud Daily Times. They had dreams in there every Saturday morning for about... Oh, two years or three years, then I didn't see him in there anymore. This was back in the early, you know, maybe 2000, year 2000 or so. And um, I thought I would keep this because I don't have here what they said as a, um, what they, their interpretation up on the screen. I'll give it to you afterwards the best I can of what they said the interpretation was. And uh, matter of fact, I barely was able to find this in my archives uh, because it was so powerful, but I mean, it was like it was almost lost. Matter of fact, the dream came from a Susie 35 in Plano, Texas. Pretty close. So, this is the newspaper. So, I read this dream and let's interpret it together, okay? I had, I dreamt I had three bullets in my chest, okay? First thing that comes to your minds? Anything? We'll move on, otherwise, just break on in. They were near my heart and vertical. Spiritually, scripturally, symbolically, what would be three bullets in this 35-year-old woman's chest that were near my heart and vertical? Darts? Fiery darts? Okay. Any other comments on that? Any other things that you might see? Pardon me? Spikes. Okay. Three bullet holes in my chest. So you can say, why in her chest? And Trinity. Very good. Okay. Three, see what is in our heart, you know, okay, I mean, for in our heart, we know that the Holy Spirit wants to reside in our heart, 
would like to reside in our heart. Our heart is kind of who we are, our central, you know, central part of us. Had three bullets in my chest. Are bullets a good thing? You know, what do they do to us? They pierce, they can, if she's still alive, by the way, by the way I knew they were not life-threatening, but I was going to the hospital to have them removed. So are they a good thing? No. They're bullets. Now, if you're shot with bullets, kind of like uh, armadillo stuck in your back, what might you be going to the hospital? You're wounded. They were near my heart and vertical. In a woman who's 35 years old, what could be near a woman's heart? Children. What could there be other three? Could it be three children. What else could it be three of? Siblings. What else? Well, you agree you absolutely are good on that one. Couldn't someone have had three boyfriends, three companions, maybe three husbands, maybe three men? Could, but can you be wounded from a man if you're a woman? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Not one for the guys there. Okay. So she uh, could be a man. I knew they were not life-threatening, and I was going to the hospital to have them removed. Okay, a hospital is a place of healing. Okay. Spiritually, what's a place of healing? Could be the church, or just even spiritually, we go to the hospital, we, go, we can even go to God for a place of healing. Okay. Uh, to have them removed. And removed, if you have wounds removed, spiritually speaking, that type of ministry could be called healing or deliverance. Yeah, okay. A tall, handsome stranger agreed to take me to this hospital, and I had an instant attraction for him. Another bullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tall, handsome stranger. Who might be that tall, handsome stranger in the spiritual realm? Absolutely. I mean, not absolutely, but yes. You know, could be an angel of, of heaven, of God. But let's say... Let's go with Jesus. And I had an instant attraction for him. But when you finally do meet him, you do have this kind of instant attraction, don't you? He called ahead to the hospital, and agree, they agreed only to charge me $30. So let's ask the question. What's the why question you might ask with that sentence? Why 30 dollars $10. $10 a bowl. <laughs> $10 a bowl. That, you know, that's good. I like that. I've never gone there. And I've, I've had this up for like seven years. Okay, take out the dollar sign, take out the decimal points. We're talking about a 30-something. 30, 30 where's 30 used in the Bible? 30 pieces of silver. Ransom, right? Jesus was 30 years old when he what? He started his ministry. Okay? 30, 60, 100, well, very good. Parable of the sower. All right, now, they agreed to only charge me 30. Many times in a dream, the way I'll find out if God has his thumb mark, if it's a God dream, there may be that number three. The three, three can be the, uh, you know, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three's a, you know, quite a big God number. 30, just in the fact that it's a trawl attractive man, he said, 
he got them only to charge him $30. It's not that Jesus is charging her 30 years and all that necessarily. It's just the 30 sometimes is God's way of saying, hey, it's a God thing. Go ahead. You know, if you took the decimal out, yeah. you'd have 3,000 there. It's a 3,000 at Pentecost. Okay, see? Good stuff. Never heard that one. That's great. All right, then we sat in the back seat of the car going to the hospital. You could ask why the back seat. He held my hand, and all I could think of was starting a relationship with them after my operation. I think the back seat was even more private. Private, okay. And also, someone else is maybe doing the driving in this issue of her life. Maybe someone else is kind of in control. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit leading her to truth or something like this. A work of God bringing her to salvation, possibly, right? Okay, and she was interested in starting a relationship with them after this thing was renewed. Is there any significance to the numbers 3 and 30 in my dream? Susie, Plano, Texas. Okay? Pretty interesting. She even asked the question. She knew in her gut, probably when she got up, wait, wait a minute, why 3? I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting. Why would she ask that question? I thought she'd say, is there any significance to this attractive man? Is there any significance to... Right? By the way, look at this. Near my heart and vertical. Curtis talks about vertical and horizontal, don't you? All I, pardon me? Could be unconditional. The point is vertical. Right away, my little, just what I did when I first saw this was, it's a vertical. It's something God's trying to reveal in the dream. Another maybe little thumb mark of, hey, God's in this thing. In your heart, our relationship with God is vertical. Okay? So, Basically, I would maybe interpret this dream, or how would you maybe interpret it? What would you say to that person? What would you say to Susie? What might, you know, because by the way, many times when you get the interpretive thoughts of this and you're listening to this, God wants you to put in a few short sentences and make a presentation. And it's, you know, for edification, for the building up, and whatever all those other things are that good things are that we can give to people. So, go ahead. Sure, okay, good. All right, now again, we have two or three or different interpretations of that. You might say, listen, God in heaven is bringing in you into a relationship with his son Christ, and you are in a place where you've been wounded. God's going to heal you of those things. You know, whatever, however you want to say it, and you're going to come into a relationship with him because he wants to have a relationship with you permanently, something like that. And there again, what we're looking for in the dreamers is for them to, to, to go, you know, to have the aha. <gasps> ah, makes perfect sense. And if I see people kind of going like this, going, hmm, yeah. Then I know, then I back up, and I may have missed the right door. Well, I thought this was kind of the central point over here, so I may emphasize that. Maybe I got something wrong. So then, I'm human, so I walk over here. I don't get it right every time when I'm talking to people about, you know, interpretively about their dream. So then I walk over here, hey, let's try this door. Let's maybe look at a different symbol of what it might mean. You know? And so, um, the newspaper. Basically, the interpretation was, honey, you need to get out and date. That's what they told her. You need to go out on some dates. Get to know, get, get to know some guys and all this kind of thing. I mean, I don't know how they came up with that. And I'm going, you know what? But stay out of the back seat. But stay out of the back seat, yeah. And I'm going, you know, 
no deliverance, no nothing. Oh, oh they, I suppose they thought the healing was in just getting back out there again. Maybe they felt that she's just not, you know, scared to go out and meet more guys or something like that. Maybe they saw the guy thing. But it's like, is there any redemption in that? You know, if it's happened three times, what has Curtis, Curtis taught me this a long time ago in our church? If you want to, how do you say it, Curtis? want something you never had you have to do something you've never done something like that yeah that, yeah so the point is she, that's probably what she did the last time went out and found some guys or went out and whatever but something has to change again the adjustment she needs to make an adjustment why don't you accept christ yeah all right so it gives you an idea of why we need christians out there interpreting dreams instead of these you know that stuff kind of, I, in my mind, I thought, oh, you're leaving her with that? I mean, is to me, there's not many other dreams that I've seen that are so beautifully put of a way the Holy Spirit is coming to, calling on people. I know a personal friend, and Curtis, I introduced Curtis to him when he was up, uh, a, a couple that own a Dairy Queen in a town near us. I've ministered over there, and this woman's from Iraq. She married a guy who, um, who's from this area up there. And she told me, she said, Craig, in Iraq, there are no missionaries <laughs> because they die instantly. <laughs> you try to, there are no American missionaries in, in, in Iraq, or at least outwardly. She said, um, people up in Iraq are getting saved because they're having the dream of the man in the white robe. And the man in the white robe tells them, I'm Jesus Christ and I am the true God and I want you and I want to have a relationship. And he gives them the gospel and people are accepting the Lord. She said, my older sister had the dream, became a Christian. I then had the dream of the man in the white robe. And I came, came to Christ. No Bibles, nothing else. Okay? Came to Christ. My sister was martyred for being a Christian. They caught her and killed her. I fled, you know, went, to, I went to America, met my husband and all this stuff. My brother refuses to become a Christian in Iraq until he first gets the dream of the man in the white robe. <laughs> he says, no, I want, to be, I want to meet the man in the white robe. Well, that's who we all want to meet, you know. But the point is, and I always thought, no, we've got to go over and evangelize. You know, and even the rocks will cry out if we don't get there. You know, they can hear from the Holy Spirit, right? And they're hearing in Iraq. So we certainly would have an attempt. We certainly would desire that they know the good news and from that desire and those prayers, God's given him dreams. Good enough for me. And she's a powerful Christian gal. Just wonderful. So God can do anything he wants. He can work in marvelous ways there. Nothing's too hard for him. Here's one I had, kind of a marketplace uh, dream of sorts. This was from a woman who my daughter worked with at a... No, that's the kangaroo at the door. No, that was good too, but I'm going to go to another one. Um, pardon me? Sorry? <laughs> Big deal? What? My daughter works at a store, at a, or worked at a clothing store when she was in high school. And she went and... Um, oh, phone solicitor. See this one down here? The phone solicitor's dream. If you want to practice on dreams, here's how I started practicing. I would, uh, you ever get calls from solicitors, unwanted calls? 
So I wake up, so when I answer, not when I wake up, when I answer, they'll say, yeah, Mr. Groth, they'll botch my name. You know, you know who it is. Mr. Groth, yeah. This is Drake. I could go to the Drake dream, but I won't. Yeah, this is Drake, and I said, Drake, before you start, uh, did you have a dream last night? Huh? Did you have a dream last night? Why? Because I interpret dreams, and I do not listen to solicitors until I first can interpret their dream. Drake told me his dream, and he was blown away. Nailed it. And it was Christ trying to enter his life. All right? Now, you can practice on these people. You, hey, come on. Come on. If you blush or if you blow it, does it really matter? They're not going to see a blush? Yeah, don't feel like you had to buy. Listen. Listen. And if they say, you know, by the way, I blew it at first. Honest, the first five times I tried it, there were all women callers, and I'd say, did you have a dream last night? Quick! <laughs> they thought that I was, I was being kinky or something, and I, so finally, I mean, you know, like, oh, pervert, or I don't know what. So finally, I, I, would, I would preface it when a woman would call, I'd say, ma'am, okay, yeah, listen, excuse me, but I interpret dreams, I'm a dream interpreter, and I don't listen to, you know, so I prefaced it so then they would understand. And if they wouldn't give me a dream or if they say I don't have any dreams, I say, okay, bye-bye, have a great day. And that's it. My daughter, well, anyway, that was the one that, down there. My daughter, but try it. Come on, it's easy. The repetitive bear dream. Uh, my daughter was at work. She met a, a Native American who was at work, and it was a, man, or a manager or something for a period of time there. And one day she said, I've been journaling my dreams my entire life. And she says, uh, and I've never had one interpretation of any of my dreams. And there again, thousand dreams with no interpretations. And I mean, these, it, it, it's like it can be, I mean, what, what, a, what a burden, what, a, what bondage. And my, <laughs> my Christine says, wow, my dad is a dream interpreter. My dad does interpret dreams for people. She said, you gotta be kidding and all this stuff. Well, this woman knew that Christine is a Christian. She says, oh, well. And she said, my dad interpret your dream for free. doesn't charge any money for a dream interpretation. And, and she says, oh, yeah, well, no, I can't do that. Why not? She says, well, I know your family, your Christian stuff, and I know he'd probably give me all this Jesus stuff. And she says, my dad wouldn't do that. And so um, she says, I'll, you know, uh, I'll set it up. So she went and told me about this, and, and she told me what she told her that you know my dad wouldn't do that to her my dad would be more sensitive than that and that's not what he's looking for and all that stuff and uh so um she emailed me the dream she had the courage to email me her repetitive dream her whole life that she had and in this dream she says i'm in a thickly wooded forest what's the first thing that comes to your mind spiritually take a look at that symbolically if you are in a thickly wooded forest what might you be You might be lost. Might be. Okay, what? So, here, <laughs> by the way, and I'm not supposed to introduce Christ to her or, or talk to her about Christ, right? Oh, great. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right? So I said, I know that I am lost. <laughs> she says it. I know that I'm lost, but I feel no fear, more of a sense of escape or freedom. You know, when I'm lost, I was found, you know. I see a beautiful, strong bear and begin to follow it. Okay, what might a beautiful, strong bear represent? Hope, opportunity. Hope, power, opportunity, great, good things. 
Now, by the way, I'll just stop right there. I'll tell, tell you what I did. Many times I need to ask questions and you will need to ask the dreamer more questions. You need a little context. <clears throat> I mean, I want to help her the best I can. This isn't magic, okay? So I emailed her back. I said, would you tell me this? What does a strong bear mean to you? What does a bear mean to you? Now, obviously she said it was a beautiful strong bear. So I know it's a good thing. For some reason I thought, I just want to know more about this bear. So I said, what does a bear mean to you? She says, a bear is the, a bear is the symbol, the bear is the symbol of our Indian tribe. It's the most noble animal that there could be in our midst. Okay, so this is like, like God. Could be like God. So this beautiful strong bear um, is in the woods and she sees it and begins to follow it. We follow our God. She is following like following God. Every so often it seems to stop and, and see if I'm still following. What a loving God. Okay? The greens are bright and vivid. The air is crisp and clean smelling. By the way, you're generally, if you have a dream, your vivid color dreams are generally your God dreams. All right. Look at them and, and pay special attention. I was told that by, um, in a class, I went to a class to find out how um, John Paul Jackson taught when I was on about my 400th dream and I realized, wow, I got a witness. That's the same spirit that he's doing that that I've been interpreting on because I needed a confirmation, find out what is with this dream stuff. But John Paul Jackson, in the middle of about the second day of class or whatever of class, he said, by the way, your vivid dreams, uh, your dreams in vivid color are your God dreams. And I thought, okay, well, I've had a bunch of my own dreams um, and heard a bunch of others, and I thought, okay, can I validate that? And I thought about it, okay, well, where in the scripture does it, what it say? Is that, is that scriptural at all? That's quite a strong fact. I mean, quite a strong statement. And then I surmised, I said, you know, my God dreams, in most of my God dreams, it's always been in the presence of strong light. Because, and scripturally speaking, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. I'm out, my, a lot of my God dreams start with, it's, it was a beautiful, sunshiny day. And, and when I say that, and when I have that, write that out now, I know it's a God dream. Okay? But when you have the presence of, of enough light and sunlight, colors are, in, you see colors vividly. So indirectly, yeah, I, I confirm that. So you should be looking for light color, those vivid colors. Now you may dream in color, but they're more muted colors. Everything's like a little bit of a shade pulled down, you know? Not quite that vivid, but you can still dream in color, but it's just not that vivid. Okay, so that's one of the keys to a, a God dream. Uh, vivid color, so now I'm going, wow, that's, this is everything of a God dream. The ground below feels soft and comforting. I follow the bear to the edge. Now, this is the general theme of all her dreams her whole life, okay? This is the general theme of it. I follow the bear to the edge of the stream. This probably could have been one of them. And it's clear and pure. So she gets to this stream. The bear leads her to, this, to the waters. The river. <laughs> the river of life. And, Durant, Oklahoma. huh? Durant, Oklahoma. To the edge of the stream. It's clear and pure. The bear crosses and I stay. I, it looks as, at me as if to urge me to across, but I can't go. I feel a sense of being unworthy or unprepared. The dream ends. Her whole life. 
unworthy and unprepared to cross that river. That's a beautiful bear. Okay? So, I thought, okay, (laughs) don't give her any Jesus stuff here, Craig. Or, you know, I mean, I got to think about that and that she even said that statement. So I want to be even more honorable to her. So I said this. I, uh, by the way, being unworthy and unprepared, what is that a picture of? Self-worth. Self-worth, yeah. The fact that I'm not worthy to be baptized into Christ and to accept Christ and to give up my life and to make it to the other side into this promised land that the bear is leading me to. I'm unworthy. Who is the only one in the whole world who makes us worthy? Worthy in the universe. It's Jesus is the only one who can make you worthy. Now I have a real problem. <laughs> I said this to her. This is just what I said, okay? I said, (coughs) I had to say this. I said, in my faith, this is quite a perfect picture of being baptized into the faith that I have in Christ. What I want, what you need to do, because many religions have similar type symbolisms, or symbolism, I am telling, you know, you, I'm suggesting you may want to go to your holy man and find out what it takes. The key here is that you need to be found worthy and prepared to cross that and make the adjustment. Until you do that, you will continue to have these repetitive dreams. So my suggestion is you go to your holy man and find out what it takes in your faith, in your culture, in your nation to find out how to be made worthy and prepared to cross that stream. God told me this. He said, Craig, the reason it's good for you to tell her that, and it's easy for you to tell that, because there is, it's a total set, there is no answer. They may give her an answer, but I trust the dreams will continue, because nothing will make us worthy and prepared to do that. You know, many times in your dreams, you need to trust um, God to them. You need to trust that the Holy Spirit loves them more than you even do as an interpreter. Sometimes you give them what you can, but listen, God's already doing the work. He's, you know, uh, Apollo's planted, this guy watered, but God gives the growth. So I just said, you need to go to the, I encouraged you to go to her people. Anyway, that's just what I came up with, and uh, she was grateful for that, never heard from her again, (laughs) but she gave me that dream. But there's another sense of the repetitive, and another sense of marketplace type thing, an unsaved person. By By grace through faith, absolutely. Amen. Amen. We got a sermon going up in the front row here, or second row. Amen. Well. Okay. Uh, do these help or a little bit helpful? Uh, so we want to get into, uh, you know. Yeah. Okay. Two white owls. By the way, all the dreams I have are I've received permission to, to uh, put up here, okay? I saw people in a field. This was in our little worship team group. A woman came in one day and said, I have a dream to share. She said, I saw two, uh, people in a field from above. Ever have kind of a bird's eye view, if you will, of a situation? Sometimes you're looking at a dream and you're not a part of the dream. You just have revelation to some reality that God wants to show you, but you're above it. Uh, you know, you're not a part of it, so to speak. I saw people in a field from above. 
scripturally, there's a parable that talks about a field, and it goes on, I think Jesus goes on to explain it, that the field represents the world or the lost. In a field, or just in a place, you know, uh, people in a field. So people in the world, so to speak, even. Okay, there were all these blackbirds or crows, she said, attacking the people. So she's up here looking, and there is this mass of blackness of birds attacking people, okay? I couldn't, but I couldn't see the people because the swarm of birds was that big. Then from a distance, I could see two white birds coming. She looked over, she's up in the sky, and she sees two white birds coming her way. It was daytime, and I thought they were coming to rescue the people, Okay, wouldn't that seem logical? Black birds, white, you know, sometimes you have that imagery, black and white and all this stuff. But these birds were attacking them. What might those two be? They may be coming to help rescue the people. That's what she said here. But as they were getting closer, I saw that they were owls. And then I noticed it was daytime, and I said, oh, no. I realized then the people were doomed. And she says here that, by the way, when a person will tell you a dream... Many times they'll have to, before the dream or after the dream, give you some context or give you an unction of what they thought about the dream. Just let them say what they have to say. And that, that what they say beforehand or after is as much a part of the dream as the dream itself. Okay? They may say the emotion. Curtis said last night, I woke up in a full sweat. Uh, that tells you something. So the dreamer perceived something was wrong because the owls were flying and she thought that they, that was not normal being birds of the night. Owls are birds of the night. What are they doing in, in the middle of daytime? This is not right. Something's, something's wrong with this picture. So do you, she just thought, no. <laughs> she just thought this, no, they're not coming to rescue. She was pretty flustered by all that. So people in the field, there were blackbirds, crows attacking the people. Um, but anyway, these people, don't you believe these people, you know, certainly she did, the people need to be rescued. They need some help and assistance, right? So we got done, and I, and I t or she got done with the dream, and I said, wow, um, it didn't set right in my spirit, I don't know about you guys, that these owls weren't coming to rescue. One of the guys in our group said, hey, I know something about owls and crows. Crows, uh, or owls are arch enemies of crows. I did not know that. This is why we need the body of Christ. So he started with that. And uh, um, by the way, um, the woman explained they were white owls. Did it say it there? Yeah. Okay, good. They were white owls. Wouldn't it be also good to find out what white owls are? If there is such a thing? Okay, let's go with snowy. So this guy in the body of Christ knows that it's the snowy white owl. Or the snowy owl. I didn't know that much more about the snowy owl. I didn't even know exactly what the name was at the time, and uh, I don't know if we knew it there or not, based on the body there. But I told her, I said, look, what if I could convince you, though you can't force an interpretation on anyone, so this is kind of one of those exception things, but what if I could tell you that the owls, convince you that the owls were coming to rescue? She said, well, I don't know, I didn't feel that. I mean, I felt that because of this, this issue, the nocturnal thing, I felt, no, it, it just, the pic, something's wrong with the picture. So what if I could convince you of something contrary so that you would believe that those owls were coming to rescue the people? Because I don't see in this dream, where else is the rescue? What's the point of the whole dream then? I went home that night 
and I stay up till 12.30 in the morning. I, I got this big animal book from Walmart or Sam's Club years ago. It has every species, picture of every species and every animal and every reptile and every flying object and whatever. And I looked and found out that the owl was a snowy white owl. Not only that, found out that the pure white ones, which she saw, were the male ones. The other ones have speckles. Found out also, we live in Minnesota, this was a dream from someone in Minnesota, that if the, um, the season is just right, snowy white, white owls are even found as low as Minnesota. And it comes right in a little dip, they showed the region, and not even North and South Dakota, not even Wisconsin, just right there in Minnesota, they come down as far as that. I thought that was ironic, okay? So they've been... Great. Got it. Okay. If indeed, if indeed she is correct in her observation, if I can't prove her wrong, then indeed these owls aren't any big help and indeed could be represent that. I want to tell you something. Every object in your dream is represented by either good or evil. And that's one thing you need to try to find out. The lion. If you have a lion in your dream, the lion could be the lion of the tribe of Israel. Jesus. Or it could be this roaring lion that's out to come and get you, the devil. That's kind of a big contrast, isn't it? You've got to find out which one it is. Many times they will know quite naturally. This one, there's confusion here. Now, two things with that. I also know about the context of this dreamer's life. Okay? And number two, I couldn't be conclusive unless I first found out about these white owls. This is what I found. I read in this book that it was the male, male, by the way, two males coming, snowy white owl. By the way, also birds of the air are considered to be, I mean, in the parable of the sower, for instance, demonic forces, second heaven creatures. That's what birds can be, okay? Found out uh, that the snowy white owl is the only owl that is diurnal, meaning they live, work, feed, and fly and are awake during the daytime. The only owl in the world. Now what does that change? That's, I felt in the Holy Spirit that she had a misperception of the truth in this case. And by finding that, I said, I, it's like I knew it. That to me just justified these owls are coming to rescue. They may not have been, but in this context, I believe they were coming to rescue. Okay? So, I uh, had that. Then I found out also what, what you call a group of owls. Do you know what you call a group of owls? A parliament. 
what does Parliament speak of? Government. government. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Spiritual government. Does that strengthen the fact that maybe God's saying, yes, these are coming to rescue? This woman is, is, is just misperceived that? Now, by the way, this is a very big exception. I have hardly ever disagreed with the dreamer. But I just said, could you give me a chance? I just need to check on some things, okay? Parliament. Now I'm even more strengthened that I believe there are, their intention was to come to rescue. That is their intention. Then I got up that next day, and I went, drove about 12 miles out to a university, a woman's college, and I went into their library, walked down 17 rows over to the left, looked, found a little tiny book, and this was before the internet, a little tiny book showed me the names of all the different groups of birds, and that's when I found out it's called a parliament. Then I looked up crows. Do you know what you call a group of crows? A murder. A murder. A group of crows is called a murder. And I want to tell you something. Just like uh, Frank said, in deliverance and whatever, in dealing with wrestling with principalities, here's the way I put it. Many times, praying for your children, praying for things, whatever it may be, what we do is we have in Christianity a shotgun approach to our prayers. Oh, Lord, bless our kids. Keep them protected. We're just shooting in the air. Like, oh, and we're going to get every demon that's going to try to get our kids. and Just want to, you know, shooting all over the place, just making sure we got it all covered, right? What we want to do, what I found that we want to do, and God wants us to do, is put down the shotgun, or put down the, yeah, put down the shotgun and pick up a rifle. If you can get the name of a spirit, deliverance is needed in this. Matter of fact, because of my dreams, a deliverance ministry had me come there because, I mean, you found the name of a spirit? I found out names of demonic spirits and dreams for generational curses, all these things. And I, so I saw that it's a, mur it's a murder. If you wanted to pray against this thing, what is the spirit you need to take down in this dream? Spirit of murder. In some way, shape, or form, they're trying to murder. Doesn't mean maybe, it could be physical, but more than likely, probably spiritual. They're a spiritual host of, of birds, spiritually or emotionally or somehow trying to kill and murder these people in this field, okay? So, murder of crows. Um, so I went back to her and I showed her the evidence. She still, uh, she accepted it, whatever. But see, here's the other thing. And Frank, uh, I knew the context of her. She was speaking of, and I knew who the people in the field were. There was a bad church situation. And she was the secretary in the church and all this stuff. And there had been a big, have you heard of a church split and things like that? Things going bad? Okay, this what was in, that was in the middle of this whole thing. Okay? And she headed around the timing of this whole thing. And the two white owls, I'll want to tell you, are, were basically myself and another man, a friend of mine. And we had come back to this church because people had been wounded through this church. And she, my perspective was that was a little tainted of who we were by what she heard. We came back to, to the church now that these people had come into after two years. They joined another church. And we came back and told the pastor, we're here to help bring healing to those people for uh, the wounds that they still are not healed from because we could tell they were not healed. I mean, you know, we talked to these people. And this, this secretary was a little bit outside of that, and she had the perception that we weren't good guys. 
and that, that fit quite well in that situation. So our intention was to come back, and we did. We came back to talk to the pastor and say, can we try to help take care of the situation? All right? So, but more than that, we're not dealing against flesh and blood in this world. We're dealing against principalities. So if you think even this, all this stuff we did down here should be a manifestation or a result of what we see in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven, he showed us it's a spirit of murder and they need help. Okay? So that's what you attack. With your children, by the way, one, this is just me, just what you hear from the Lord. One day God told me, he says, Craig, I love your kids more than you do. You know, because my question is this, how often do you pray for your kids? How, yeah, all the time or whatever. How often is enough? How many minutes a day? How often? What precipitates you praying for your kids and so forth? I'm just going to tell you what the Lord told me. He said, Craig, I love your kids more than you do. They're my kids and not your kids. If there's a problem, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay? Uh, that's what he talked to me about. Do I, will I random, uh, not randomly, but will I pray for my kids for things if they have certain event or something sure I can pray for my kids but he I know this that when it really comes down to it he's going to reveal to me when I, my kids are in trouble of any kind and my daughter who lives in Seattle we know so much about her life that she tells her employees I can't do anything out here in Seattle without my parents knowing about it <laughs> and it's absolutely true we get warnings uh, of all of our children the Lord will even show us which children he's talking to us about without you know showing us their pictures or their names or anything so God said, I'll tell you. And by the way, when you see and hear from heaven about your kids or about your parents or about your loved ones, you can put down the shotgun and pick up the rifle and boom, one shot should take care of it. You pray that thing through until you feel the release to get up and go, it's taken care of. Makes sense to me? Do we want to do religious prayers? Do we want to keep praying in fear? Does God answer prayers of fear? He responds to faith. Okay? Hearing and obeying. You know, we just need to hear that and walk that stuff out. One of the biggest things with our dreams is when you get the dream, even if you can't quite interpret it, I tell people, pray the dream uh, and respond in whatever way you can. The number one response, as I said, was intercessory prayer. Just pray about the dream, no matter what it is. Pray about it. If it's, even if it's an encouragement or direction or all that stuff, you know, if you don't under, quite understand, just pray about it. Give it to God so he sees you are willing to take it to fruit. You're willing to do that other part of that left brain stuff, right? I got to pray, okay? Um, I made a picture of faith one day. And again, if we can think more in pictures, it can be really helpful. In the kingdom of God, there is a currency, and I believe the currency is called faith, right? It's by faith. And the faith is like a two-sided coin, and the head's part is here, the tail's part is obey. Right brain, left brain, whatever you want to call it, hear and obey. That's the co this is the coinage of the kingdom. This is how we operate in the kingdom. But if you just have, if you just have the hearing and not obeying, it's worthless, Okay? We need to bring those things to fruit. By the way, the real word in the parable of sower is called, it said, have the word, uh, hear the word and keep it. And you know what keep means? In the Greek, it means to have and to hold, just like marriage. You have faith now. See, you hear. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. This is faith. But what is faith without works? 
Faith should have works. And by keeping them. So I'm saying this, when you get a word from the Lord, just do not let the words drop to the ground. You don't have to walk it out. Don't walk it out in the flesh. Wait for the Spirit. He'll help you progress to that point. It took me after I heard the, the uh, prophecy I got about the dream ministry thing. He said, you're going to go away for a time to spend time with God, to learn. He wants to show you something, tell you something. It took me two years before I could step out and do that. Next part of that prophecy. You just don't go do it in the flesh. You need to walk it out in the spirit. But when he says, now it's time to walk it out, we need to be obedient to that and walk that thing out, see? All right? By the way, I talk about, and you can read it later too. I'm not going to go into it much. I think it's page four. The three deadliest sins. Did you see that part? Now, are they really the three deadliest sins? No, it's just a picture of... In, uh, that I've made of what I believe to be incredibly powerful uh, or incredibly wicked things that we could do. You know, we can talk about all three greatest sins, okay, adultery, smoking cigarettes, and going to movies, you know? I mean, you know, what, what do you want to pick, right? All these sins that we call, that we talk about. Well, in Hebrews, God addresses the Hebrews, the Jews, and they were guilty of three main things, and they are as follows. Hebrews 4, verse 7, it says, Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The Jews were guilty of hardening their hearts to the point where they couldn't even hear from God anymore. You want proof of that? It's what we call 400 years of silence. End of the Old Testament, before the New, 400 years of silence. Listen, God is a blabbermouth. He's talking all the time. You think it was God who quit talking? The prophets couldn't get a word of the Lord. You think that's God's fault? Their ears, it was said, grew dull of hearing. They got tired of it. They grew dull of hearing. Got to be just something they didn't do. Second thing, unbelief. Hebrews 3.12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. This whole story, by the way, is in Hebrews talking about the Jews. It says, so we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. I'm, I'm taking this out of context. If you know the story, he's talking about entering his rest. The Jews, he said, could not enter because of unbelief. Hardness of heart. Thirdly, disobedience. Hebrews 4, 6 goes on to say in Hebrews there, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, the rest, and though those to whom it was first preached, the Jews, did not enter because of disobedience. So you've got... In the, in the reading of Hebrews, it talks about they were dull of hearing, they were people of unbelief, and they are a disobedient and contrary people. Remember the picture I just showed you of faith? It's the exact same things. They did not hear. Faith comes by hearing, therefore they did not believe. Because they did not believe, they certainly did not obey. They did not walk out the things of God. And what did God do? He handed over this new promise to the Gentiles, basically, Right? Grafted us in with the still the hope that one day they will be grafted back in. Okay? And, and that's critical. Now, here's the question. And we can look and say, ah, those Jews, they sure blew it. I fear that we fall into the same place in the church. I fear that we have become dull of hearing. I, I fear more than that. I fear I have become dull of hearing. I feared I had become dull of hearing. And a person of unbelief unbelief and disobedience. I saw, God showed me in a vision one day, all the lack of fruit. I mentioned it last night. I'm not going to get into it again, but a vision 
of how much he said, you've heard from me all these years, but you've never brought this stuff to fruit. He showed me thousands of fields that of, of overgrown or just um, terrible looking fields that didn't bear any fruit. And he said, they're your fields because you did not keep what I gave you. Sure, you always heard from God, Craig. You boasted about that, but you never brought it to fruit. No one was impressed with your Christianity. But the point is, we just, I just pray that may, may that not be us, or you and I at least. Amen? We need to hear and obey. Okay? Um, you can read on there. Um, I'm not going to get into it now, but uh, just uh, then I break down the hearing and obeying. Um, want to talk to you about parts of a dream. Page 6, I believe. Also, I tell people that uh, people say, you know, you need to get a life, and I tell people you need to get a nightlife. There's more activity in the night than you could ever imagine. There's activity going on all the time. Matter of fact, even with dreaming, in and out of dreams, do you, you ever in that visionary state, right, before you go into dream, a lot of times before you go into sleep, a lot of times at a certain uh, stage of sleep, you just have all these things flashing by you. And then you go into a dream. You can have visions. You can come out of that. You can have angelic visitations, which I'll address pretty soon. But uh, there's so much activity, we need to begin to sleep with our eyes open. And that's what I say now, by faith, with our family. Our family sleeps with our eyes open in the night. We don't turn off the lights. We always have our eyes open as we sleep, spiritually speaking, symbolically, looking for the things that God's bringing. Parts to a dream. The revelation of the dream itself, of course. Then we need the interpretation. After the interpretation, we need to know the application. How do we work this out, walk this out, obey, keep that word without falling to the ground to the point where it'll finally bear the fruition, the fruit that God has intended for that word. Make sense? Otherwise, there is no reason for those dreams again. We want to find out, and we need to find out which ones are God's dreams. A lot of this stuff will be a working of your own process in your own dreams. Sometimes the application takes years. Years. 12 years and I finally got I got on radio. 12 years. Yeah. Mhm. You know what? Yes. Yes. Very important. It really does. Um, I've got dreams now from journaled in the last 10 years that are now beginning beginning to come to pass, come to fruition or at least being exposed. I'm going, "Oh my word, that's happening today. That thing that happened 5 years ago. If I wouldn't have written it down, come on." And I wouldn't have remembered that. And I review my dreams. Because the prophetic ones, you don't understand. By the way, how many dreams do I, can I interpret of my own dreams? I'd say maybe, I think I took a check one time. It's around 40% of the dreams I interpret of my own. And what I mean by that, the other 60%, they're either just soulish dreams. You could lean, for, you can learn from soulish dreams though. You know what you'll learn from your soulish dreams? They're sometimes revealing your excessive fears, your emotions, unredeemed nature. I just call it things that are unredeemed in you. Sometimes it just comes out. Fears, soulish things. A kid, uh, a man wrote to me and said, my kid is, has all these warfare dreams. Every day it's like warfare, warfare, spiritual warfare. Craig, something's going on with him. Will you listen to his dreams? I said, have him send me two or three. He sent me two or three dreams. I showed my wife. I said, honey, my gosh, look at all the spiritual warfare and all these demons that he's fighting and all this stuff. And yeah, and the, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit said, Ask him this question. What question would you ask the boy? What video games do you play? Do you play any of these war video games? He, he emailed back, it's my favorite thing to do. I play them hours a day. Garbage in, 
garbage out. Is that soulish? You better believe. Whatever he <laughs> enters the eye, he comes through the eyes into his soul, windows to the soul, they were just garbage dreams. There's nothing spiritual about them. What did I do? I told the boy, son, I, I would like you to fast from these video games for one month, and I'd be happy to interpret dreams for you. But I know one thing. Never heard from him again. But I know one thing. There would be, you know, those would fade over time. And he would not have these warfare and end times dreams, right? So we need to discern that. But one way to do it is say, listen, if you go to bed tonight and you're panicked in fear of some situation in your life, your job, your children, or whatever it may be, and you have this dream about your kids, even, even that, you know, it looks like a warning dream, they died and all this stuff. You've got to look at before you went to bed what was already in your heart. If you're filled with that fear before you even go to bed, it's a great likelihood you can dismiss it as a warning dream. It's just something you're just filled with. And by the way, but by seeing that in your dreams, you may want to say, look, I need to take this unredeemed nature and get it under the blood. I need to make a transition there because I keep having this kind of stuff. Okay? Questions? Anything? How do you, you know, you're telling about soulless dreams. Yes. So those things, it's like someone's dreaming about what's going on day to day, but it's not really having a spiritual nature. Maybe it's just their way of trying to deal with what's going on day to day. Right. By the way, physiologically, we need to dream to even stay alive. Sometimes it's, like you said, sometimes it's just uh, just the whole day. The whole emotions of all the day can be heaped into a dream. And it's kind of like the, gar you know, the uh, garbage disposal. You just kind of flush them out. You know, it's just, you know, your body will do that. Just flush it through. And if we didn't dream, we could become very, very unhealthy, they say. Because we wouldn't be able to get this thing flushed out. Yeah, we need to get in that REM sleep. And that REM sleep is that deep sleep. That's when you see the eyes fluttering. By the way, if you ever see uh, your, a friend of yours or a spouse or whatever, their eyes are fluttering in a nap or something, and then they stop fluttering, give them a big poke right there. It's the end of the dream, and the faster you wake them up, the, faster, the more they're going to be able to remember that dream. Some people, to help them remember dreams, they will set their alarms for 4 o'clock in the morning. Or I tell them to set your alarm for about 4 o'clock in the morning. The other thing is to set your alarm, or whatever, for... Or just know this. I always thought for my whole life, the reason I wake up in the middle of the night is to go to the bathroom. Because I wake up at 3 in the morning and go, wow, I kind of have a full bladder. That doesn't feel comfortable. And I go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know what? You know why you wake up in the middle of the night? To remember your dream and, and, to, and to respond. You, I spend most of my time come, waking up from a dream praying. Absolutely, I do. Because you'll wake up and you go right back to sleep. You forgot it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get up and I'll write down what We'll be talking about ten big tips that I'd give you for dealing with your dreams, and one of them is that. You have less than ten minutes to remember most of your dreams. And you can and there's people tell me, Oh Craig, no, my God dreams, oh I can remember those for years. No, you can't. I've tried it. I've been diarying and journaling my life since I was 18 years old. I had a five years of diarying every day of my life as a Christian, and I went into a thousand-page journal. I know that uh, without doing that stuff, I've been able to experiment and stuff and know and talk to other people about events they experienced too. They don't remember certain big events that happened in the detail I do because I wrote it down. So 
don't take that for granted. My greatest warning dream concerned all three of my children being killed in a head-on car accident. I prayed it off. I prayed as in a response to that warning dream. And because of that, they missed that same head-on collision that very evening. I didn't even know it was my kids in the car. And they missed by inches being killed in this car accident. They missed head-on by inches because there were adjustments made. And so they missed it. Now, uh, so by writing that, by getting that dream as fast as it came, it saved my ch children's lives. By taking, res and then responding to that dream and appropriately enough, and that was my first warning dream I ever had in my life that I recognized, and I thought, oh God, have mercy on me. I gotta learn fast how to, about these dreams because there may be another dream, and if I miss it, my kids could be killed or hurt and harmed. But I wanna tell you something. If you're willing and obedient today, and as you, many of you have already been, but if you're willing and obedient, God will be merciful. He's not out to, I mean, he will hold back the enemy until you get this, if you kind of understand what I mean. God is gracious. And he even allowed me to respond that day to show me, Craig, this is the result. Matter of fact, after that day, uh, I was thinking about that, and the Lord told me, he said, Craig, this is why kids are, uh, people are dying prematurely, because they're not getting the warning dreams and they're not responding correctly. I'm going to get to warning dreams in a few minutes here, okay? Um, talked about different types of dreams. By the way, I have uh, uh, 10 stories for every type of dream. We can't go there, okay? But I'm telling you, they're all supernatural. They're all powerful. They all bear fruit. And if we're not bearing fruit with our dreams, if we're not bearing fruit to the things we hear and see, then why do we even bother? But the point is, it's not that we don't bother. It's that we haven't been paying as much attention as we should. But if you bear fruit, which we're supposed to be bearing much fruit. I never bore fruit like this in my Christian walk like I have in the last 12 years. And now there's so many stories, especially from, of course, hearing from 6,000 other dreams and so forth. I've got so many testimonies of God and the evidence of God in these dreams. It's just, it's way too much. I, I began again now trying to record every single event. I'm going to start blogging that. Matter of fact, you can go to my website too. Uh, for the radio show that's coming up. And by the way, yeah, the book's out there uh, about warning dreams. You can get some of the biggest stories. America's most famous warning dream. Read about the one Abraham Lincoln had. Is that credibility for some of you? If, if Abraham Lincoln, if it's in the archives, archives of Abraham Lincoln's memoirs, he had a dream prophesying his own death. And uh, very vivid. His wife, and he told his wife even, he wrote it down. It's, uh, you can find it on the internet. Uh, Mark Twain, you can find out about Mark Twain. Is it Mark Twain? Yeah. About uh, his brother dying. I mean, if you want to find famous people. So these are things that the whole world can see. That I mean, if, if Abraham Lincoln wrote it down, it's probably true. Because he never lied, did he? <laughs> so anyway, a warning dream. By the way, so Abraham Lincoln has this warning dream. He sees his own death. Okay? Tells his wife and everything else. No one knew how to rightly handle this. The church didn't know how to rightly handle He never told that many people. Obviously, the church didn't know about it. The church wouldn't have known what to do, right? right? Who was one of our greatest presidents in the United States? Abraham Lincoln's got a pretty good, there's a pretty good feeling about Abraham Lincoln. I mean, he's, you know, I don't know. He was he was pretty pretty good guy or whatever. But anyway, maybe it would have been nice to have his uh, election or his, 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 his reign extended. I mean, I don't care if it's Democrat, Republican, I don't care who it is. No one's life is to be cut off. God desires for all of us to come and to walk into salvation and so forth. 
Was he fearful? He was very distraught. And then finally he told himself, his last comments were this. Then I realized, well, it's only a dream. And only a dream caused him his, his life to discount that dream. Not that he knew what to do with it anyway. He said, oh, well, it was only a dream. It cost him his life. Okay? I mean, I can't afford that with my loved ones, can you? Because basically, morning dreams mostly happen to you and your loved ones about other loved ones. And there's an enemy in this world who would love to take them out. And I, I look to Ephesians to validate this, but Ephesians talks about being armored with all this stuff that you can withstand the evil day. There's an evil day that will come to you. You can't keep it just because you're a Christian. Plead the blood of Jesus for the rest of your life. That's not going to stop Satan from trying to ha- find an evil day, a foot in the door to come and take you out or one of your loved ones. But he can't do anything if we can hear and if we can see it ahead of time. Don't wait to get cancer. We talked about last night. Um, the best medicine is preventative medicine. You want to see the future of what's happening. Once you get cancer, you're not dealing with God's perfect will. He told the earth, he shouted out every cancer and every disease before it happened. I believe. Go ahead. I mostly look at to find when they're coming I just look to God and I trust the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth the Holy Spirit is motivated by love Jesus came to save the world not judge it there is no judgment on you that your kids would die short and premature and all this kind of stuff By the way, on the September 11th, um, I mentioned this last night, but I'll just say it again. That we had, so we had our warning dreams in our house. My son and I were both down on our knees for over an hour, interceding before God. We knew, all we knew was something was global was happening, and it was very, very dark and bad. Intercessors, they go by the things they kind of sense, and they'll pray and all this stuff. But I say this, if everyone in the whole state of Oklahoma would have been listening acutely to God's voice, and would have responded appropriately, I believe 911 never would have happened. That's just my belief. Because God, uh, there's a Bible verse we mentioned last night, God does nothing with, until he first reveals it to the prophets. Unless, unless he first reveals it to the prophets. We have that in us. The whole future is ours. We can know the future. Every foul, disgusting thing that Satan's trying to do on this earth is prophesied before it can happen. And we can know that. And we, that's why we need to be facing the future. We cannot be any longer reactive Christians, just reacting to the things as they happen. Cancer is hard to heal once, uh, once you have it. And that's why we say, why doesn't God heal this cancer? No, I'm just, let me just say, God may be up to saying, 
I told you ahead of time. I warned you, all you would have had to done was avert that thing. We got a call from a friend of ours the other day uh, before Christmas. She said, I had a dream that there was a lump, uh, I'm sorry, a lump on my breast. She called us that morning. She said, I woke up, I put my hand right where the lump was, and there was the lump on my breast. So she had to go through the next two weeks of finding out, is this cancer? It wasn't cancer, okay? Now, in this case, I don't believe she was healed. I mean, I don't believe it was cancer to begin with. This is kind of a warning, kind of an alert type thing of something present, not of things to come. She had already had that lump on her. She finally got it. Would you please look and feel that lump wherever that was, okay? And right where she saw it in the dream, she felt it, and there it was. She didn't have cancer, and I'm trying to learn by all this. We're just all trying to learn. And I'm trying to learn, but I believe that was a situation. God will show you some things to prepare you ahead of time not to panic because it was that. No, it's not cancerous. I just want you to know beforehand so you don't have a horrendous hellish day when it happens and have to deal with all that. He already told her, you have a lump. She didn't know if she had cancer or not, but from that I learned that we can take confidence. She, she said, Craig, you talk about warning dreams, so I prayed real quick, but I mean, as fast as I got up, it was there. I didn't have time to pray before it happened, right? Well, there wasn't any need to. Well, do you have examples of dreams that are other than warning dreams? Sure. What do you want to hear? Any kind of dream. Tell me. Positive, Positive ones. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, I do. But, but let me go to a spiritual. How about, how about this for a revelation? A girl came up to me. She's a church girl. She goes to a goth church, so to speak. People who are in the goth thing, the black and the rings and all that stuff in their noses and all that stuff in our town, and she came up to me one day, she went to Christian school with my sister, my sister, my daughter, she said, Craig, I had a dream, you're into the dream thing, yep, actually she's in the book, um, I had a dream the other day, and in the other day, the Lord told me, gave her some revelation, now by the way, this is good, but it's not like pretty, but she said, Lord, give me a revelation that um, um, my girlfriend has a, there, there's a demon, uh, she has a friend named Billy, a demon, that she, uh, yeah, particularly, uh, read the book, a uh, particular demon thing named Billy. A friend named Billy, or something like that. So she goes and tells the other girl who's going to this church and was saved, so to speak, and all this stuff, and says, hey, I had a dream that you have a friend or something named Billy. And she says, I do. And it was a spirit that she listens to. It was a demonic spirit. God gave her revelation and she said, so she asked me, Craig, she really did. I said, you may want to go. Matter of fact, the very ministry she's in is very deliverance oriented because of what they have to pull kids out of. And I said, you may want to take her, go back and get that thing taken care of as soon as possible. Okay. But by revealing that secret, now it's exposed. But she would talk to this demon and the demon told this girl her name, that its name was Billy. Revelation, powerful, powerful for deliverance. Um, uh, knowledge, wisdom. I mentioned last night about, uh, uh, oh, how about creative inventions? E equals MC squared, the sewing machine. Many inventions came through dreams. Inspired things, inspired ideas in business. Uh, all this type of thing. My wife is a middle school music teacher. She, uh, did I mention this last night? Okay, not last night. She uh, is middle school music, and she is a so choir teacher, and she had general music for a few years, and she's been teaching for 32 years. About 20 years ago, she had a dream. Based on the dream, she went in the principal's office and said the next day or that week and said, could I please get 16 electronic keyboards? I want to teach my 
general music students who are bored stiff learning about Mozart and everything through a book. I want to teach them how to play piano and teach them music through piano and teach Mozart through piano. I want to teach them piano lessons. Okay, that's fine. They bought our 16 keyboards, electronic keyboards, put on their headphones and the, uh, every two kids had to share a piano and taught them. That uh, you're in the conferences, the teacher, uh, parents came and said, what have you done to my d juvenile kid? He comes home now and he plays piano for hours after hours and on Christmas he played Christmas songs. <laughs> What's going on, you know? The next year, very next year, because no one went to the office that year from her music class, she uh, received another 16 pianos from the, from the school. So she had 32 pianos, one for each child. A couple years later, they made her a whole room full of keyboards with their own, it's a whole piano lab. Then they moved into another building, a whole nother custom, kept customizing this thing. Now she has 36 pianos after all these years, one for each child. They have music class for three years in her middle school, every child, she teaches over 800 kids. Now it's actually, the number's in the 700s, over 700 kids piano lessons each year. Wow. And the kids get it for three years, and then they built a new school, high school, in the school district, and they decide since the legacy of what the, my wife's done with this, kids want to keep learning, so they built a piano lab there, and a, they have signed a teacher, hired a teacher, to teach extended piano, and they have computers to do music software and everything. In that school district, you can get free piano lessons from fifth grade to twelfth grade. Wow. And three, for three years, you will have if you go to that school. Okay? Improve their grades. She was wrote up, written up in the paper. College uh, people, bring, uh, music professors, bring their music majors to her class to view this thing because they want to be music teachers. Other schools now come, teachers come. They say, Will you show us? And how much would you charge? And I told my wife, You should charge a whole lot. <laughs> and she said, No, I got it free. I'm going to give it away free. She gives, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. Maybe when she retires, I'm just hoping there might be a door. But anyway, so that's the legacy. Came through listening to a dream. This was 10 or 15 years before we even got into dream ministry, or five years or so. She listened to a dream, she responded, she went to the principal's office. In the dream it was something like a woman came up to her and was crying or just anxious because her children never got to have piano lessons. They couldn't afford them, okay? And these kids, yeah, like I say, three years, and there's been people who have gone on to become very good piano uh, students. They've gone on to more lessons, you know, all this kind of stuff. All happened through a dream. So then my, uh, her older brother came to me one day and said, okay, Craig, I've been listening to all these stories about you and this dream stuff for the last five years. What's this all about? I said, well, Gary, I, and I told him, how about, your, how about uh, your sister? You know, you've seen her music lab. Look at all that. Wasn't that a good thing? She got that through a dream. And Gary goes, oh. I said, what, Gary? Oh, boy. He said, Craig, you know, I've been in the piano tuning business for 20 years. It came to me through a dream. I said, well, shut your mouth then. <laughs> <laughs> Quit bothering me. <laughs> right? No, I didn't probably didn't say that. <laughs> the point being that you know, I felt like sane. No. And, uh, and matter of fact, this guy wants to talk to me about my warning dream book now and he is very interested in all these things but his even occupation came through a dream and he and, and by the way best job he's ever had in his life my wife's job it's ministry it's love it's just loving on kids okay uh what if 
Okay. <laughs> I found Curtis this this other day. I've been doing some studying on that. When I first heard this, I found out that you cannot dream. Uh, it, they, some psychologists say it's impossible to dream in vivid color or in color. But of course, we know with God, all things are possible, right? So I've been teaching that a number of years. By the way, that's why you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. I may get a few facts wrong. Now, this isn't an interpretive thing, but that was like a fact, okay, that I heard that was fact from what they found out scientifically. And I can trust science through observation and so forth. I mean, there are certain things that they can show you about the mind, the sleeping, and all that kind of stuff and dreaming. Just read the other day, the hi I'm reading the history of um, dream tests in America. In the 50s, they did these tests. They found out 85% of the people do not dream in color, and only 15% said they claim to have dreamt in color. Then they did the, um, the uh, survey in the 60s, late 60s, found out that 85% of the people dreamt in color, 15% didn't dream in color. You know why? Color TV. See, when you talk about images, there was no image up until 1950 or whenever the color TV came into being, there was no live images in this world of color people in living color. All your sepia tone photos, black and white cameras, we had no images of people in color. They just say it's just this incredible phenomena that happened. People do dream in color, okay? But those vivid color dreams, again, like I mentioned, those are the ones you may want to pay attention to. Black and white dreams, pretty much uh, you could probably discount as a soulish dream. However, I've had some black and white dreams. One was where everything was black and white except a man's bright green pants that makes it really kind of a color dream and it makes it like, what would be the central point if a man had bright green pants in the midst of black and white? The central point would be, you gotta interpret something about his bright green pants, okay? All right, all right, anyway. So you may see that in a black and white dream, certain color is pronounced. And you may wanna find out what that is and it may definitely be a God dream with that. Other people have had black and white dreams because it represented a time uh, God was taking them back to maybe a generational thing about a time back in the 40s or earlier or whatever in their family when things were in black and white. Okay? Okay, I wake up from those and what I do now, when I first started, I, I wrote down every single dream I had every single night. However, you know, I, I didn't know which ones were God at all. Over a period of time, if I sense it's, wake up, sense it's a soulish dream, Laura, I will normally, um, I make a mental note of that. I don't necessarily write it down unless it's something that was quite emotional. I'll write it down because it's something I need to deal with. Again, I need to deal with my soul. You know, I need to deal with things that may need some help. And if it's fears or whatever, I need to get rid of those fears. I, my, I, well, anyway, yeah, uh, I don't know if that answers the question. But you won't know this initially. I suggest you write down all your dreams. And in time, many times those soulish ones, they just don't get interpreted. Especially the, just the garbage in, garbage out ones. And after a while, you'll start understanding. No, sometimes the stories, there's no real beginning, no real end. Okay, it's kind of like that owl dream. Without that owl, without some closure to that dream, well, what's the point? What, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. One dream I had one time, a woman from back from Illinois, matter of fact, it was the same woman who I had that snapshot of. She had sent me, she had been sending me some dreams. She sent me a dream one day. She said, look, here's the, here's the dream. There was a young man, two young men in a barn in the farmyard. 
two young women in the, or you know, uh, in their 20s or whatever, in the house. The two women were pregnant. Each one were pregnant. One was on the first floor, one was on the second. And there's a naked man, or a man taking a bath in a tub in the middle of the farmyard. And there were elements like that. She said, you know, what about this dream? Bright, sunshiny day. I started working on the dream. I could not get it. It looked so much like a God dream. And I went, wow, I just could not quite pull it together. I brought it to the, my friends, said, do you see anything? I'm not getting this. I need help from the body. They could not get it. I thought about that dream for a month. Finally, I emailed her after a month saying, I don't know the interpretation to your dream. By the way, that's another interpretation for you for the marketplace. Tell them, I don't know what it means. Okay? You might not know. You're not going to know all, everything in the, at, at first, especially. So I said, I don't know the interpretation. She emails me three months later and says, well, there's one thing I forgot to mention. I said, what? I mean, now, I had thought about this dream for a month. I knew this dream in and out, right? There are a few more elements, but I won't get into that, I'll just to tell you the point. She emails me and said, you know, the two men in the barn, the two women in the house, they weren't husband and wife, they were brothers and sisters. <sighs> okay, so we're talking about incest. Okay, I mean, <laughs> it's just a dream, so to speak, right? She said, yeah, it was instant. I just felt like I, I didn't want to tell you that. Instantly, I knew the interpretation of the dream. Instantly, and I sent it to her. Now it was complete. It made sense. It tied it all together. It had a beginning and an end, and it had a central point, and I could, I could do that. But isn't that interesting? Now, listen, I mean, if you could, don't ever give a false interpretation. I could have said, well, well, what if I was paid money for this? If I got paid $5 for every dream or $10 for every dream I interpreted, would I really care, ultimately? Because I know my soulish nature. I could have said, well, just give her interpretation, get the money and run, you know? I told her after 30 days, I said, I can't tell the interpretation. And wouldn't you know, it's the one that she never gave me all the information. I mean, what a testimony of the Lord. Because then I knew it, I gave her the interpretation, made sense to her. And by the way, uh, you know, incest, well, Craig, what could that possibly mean? Well, I heard Rick Joyner one day said, he said, uh he made a comment remember just look at he's talking in pictures we have a church of uh we're, we're interbreeding he talked about interbreeding like incest and we're doing this after our own kind and we're failing to get out to the world basically that was the point of the picture so in that even in sexual dreams <laughs> i've had them all and some you wish they wouldn't be so descriptive okay they don't hold back Woo! oh am i blushing Wow. Uh, but anyway, sexual dreams can speak of intimacy. can speak of intimacy with God. It can speak of all sorts of things that have nothing to do with sex. You can dream of an old boyfriend or girlfriend, especially if you if it came out of nowhere or whatever. It's just then they may represent something, unless you say, no, I kind of think about them all the time. Well, then there's another issue you have to deal with. But if, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But if you don't, the point is God's bringing that back because that person could re represent something to you, could represent regret, could represent unforgiveness, could represent uh, anything, whatever was the context of the relationship. Okay? Have you ever had something happen in your life during a day and then later on dream about that same thing that happened except it's in a dream? Yep. 
Yeah. He can do anything. Is that, is that dreaming? I mean, you actually happened in your life, and then you dreamed about it, and it was more clear what happened. Okay. I mean, the dream revealed a little bit more of what that event was, more than just what it was in black and white, or as you saw it or experienced well, it. Was it. About firefighting. I'm a firefighter. Okay. Okay, that could be called a progressive dream. Okay, I had started having dreams of lions in the year 2000. I had dreams for like 13 months of lions. Start out with female lions coming to America. Then it was lions and their cubs. Couldn't see any male lions for about six or eight months. Then I saw the male lions that were sleeping. Then I saw the male lions coming up and charging to, uh, to a bunch of hyenas that were trying to uh, go in and take the kill from, from the females and whatever. And after nine months of the progressive dream, I finally got the meaning on that one, but not that you have to wait that long. But sure, God may be building on a theme, okay, of destiny or whatever. In the end, I realized the male lines represented the apostolic, the female lines represented the prophetic, and God was showing me what was coming to America and what is coming and taking, you know, and taking the land, possessing land, all this kind of thing, but anyway. This dream that I had, Right now. Okay. Then that can happen. Because you're crying over it. Obviously, it's a touch of the, the Holy Spirit's revealing something. The Holy Spirit, let's, hey, let's not limit the Holy Spirit to do anything he wants to do. Okay. You may have experience. By the way, we all need to know other experiences people are having. You may have experiences that we need to know about to log those. Because if and when we have that type of thing. You know, just know that, by the way, I don't believe anything in the natural happens without it first happening in the spiritual, actually. But we, it says it first happens in the natural. All I know is they parallel. You know, it says God's will on earth as, as, as it is in heaven. The Holy Spirit won't tell you anything unless he hears it from heaven, right? So if the Holy Spirit's seen Jesus going like this, we're going to hear from the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see the Holy Spirit going like this. And you know what you need to do if you see that? You need to go like this. <laughs> We're supposed to be synchronized with heaven, uh, on earth as in heaven. We walk, if God walks, we walk because we're listening to the Holy Spirit and he sees Jesus moving. We just walk with him. We do whatever he does, all the motions. We speak what he says. You know, I believe if we will learn to do this real acutely, ultimately, people will see Jesus in us like they've never seen before. Because all we're doing is doing what Jesus says and does. You see what I'm saying? And you've seen pictures, someone says, yeah, I just see this glow on your, you know, you look like Jesus, or I saw Jesus in you. May that be for all of us. But I think as we get more and more in sync with heaven, we're going to find that. So certainly, you just had a work of the Holy Spirit being done today, healing, what, revelation, whatever that may be. So anything more than warning dreams? Yeah, there's one right there. And we're seeing the fruit of that. Saw the fruit of that today with Michelle. Okay. Any other questions about types of dreams, things like that? Uh, healings can come through dreams. Uh, friends, uh, Mexican friends of mine from Missouri, uh, this Mex the, the man, the, the husband, he was leery of me at first because I, you know, I was into dreams and stuff. It ends up his son is a big dreamer, but he's the black sheep of the family. But he's the big dreamer. Why is he the black sheep? Because he's a dreamer. They think he's cuckoo. And what he dreams comes to pass. 
By the way, I went down to see him. Uh, my, my friend went down in Missouri one day and I met this black sheep guy. We became real good friends. <laughs> As a matter of fact, as we're talking, he said, he said, say, do you have a curriculum that you have out, like a three ring binder thing? At the time I did. I said, yeah. He says, I've been to your dream classes. The next time I came down and did a dream class in his very city, guess who was sitting there? That old black sheep came to listen to my dream class and fulfilled the dream that he had. He walked it out. Amen? Okay, so, um, but anyway, this Mexican guy, uh, when I went down to that city to do the dream class, I got done. They came to the dream class. They went to another church, but they came to listen. And we go back to their house to stay overnight. And we're sitting there, and, and he says, yeah, yeah. My wife uh, was, uh, you know, 15 years ago with our seven kids, my wife was diagnosed with cancer, and she was given three weeks to live. So the hospital sent her home to die. She's laying in bed dying, and one night she wakes up and she gets Isaiah 53. You guys might correct me in a second at which exact chapter. I, oh, Isaiah 53, verse 1. Yeah, some people get words instead of pictures, or you get all kinds of things, but sometimes you'll just get maybe something that's said. Isaiah 53, verse 1. She went and looked it up in her Mexican Bible. It said, Arise and shine. Is that 53? Arise and shine, for your light has come. Huh? And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. She thought, I'm healed. Well, she felt it. She just said, and I was healed instantly as I read that in the Bible. She got up, and at five in the morning, she made breakfast for her family. <laughs> her family member, or one of them got up and came and said, what are you doing? I'm making breakfast for the family. God healed me tonight. Okay? You can be healed through dreams. That was evidence that. And here this guy gave me grief about dreams, and I, I chewed him out right there. I said, and Luis, you've been t on my case about this dream stuff, this goofy stuff, all this, and your wife was healed from cancer, terminal cancer, by a dream? See, this is where we don't have it in our doctrines. We need to get dreams, dream, uh, doctrine of dreams. We need permission to believe. We need permission to tell people our dreams. We need to be able to have a body and a pastor and leaders and help so we can share dreams because they're real. This is God who can work through these dreams. By the way, someone says, uh, some people believe there's God dreams, solar dreams, and, and, uh, and devil dreams. Personally, I just want to tell you, um, and many Christian dream interpreters say there's devil dreams. Uh, technically speaking, I don't believe in devil dreams. Uh, because, well, and one thing again, I, I go to the scriptures. I have never seen or read that the devil gave a dream to anyone. Okay? Now, having said that, can the devil get a foothold into our soul if we leave a door open to the point where we can have nightmarish dreams, uh, demonic dreams cause us to fear and all that stuff? Absolutely. Indirectly, I think we can manifest the devil as badly as you ever want to see him. Okay? But does the devil instigate dreams? I believe they pour out from heaven. I think it'd be a real confusing Christianity if the devil also gave us dreams. I think it comes indirectly. So indirectly speaking, I believe the devil can influence dreams. I just don't know. I don't tend to believe that he can outright give us a dream. I don't think he has permission to do that. That's just what I think. Okay? Go ahead. I had an experience when we went to one of those conferences. Um, when I went to sleep, we were in a hotel room, mm -hmm. and it, it was uh, it was this ugly thing haunting me, and he just came up and just 
Yeah. <laughs> and so I just, we didn't, we didn't cast anything out of this room. <laughs> Okay. And I just Over a room where, uh, when you're in a hotel? Room. Yeah. And, and uh, <coughs> you know, because at first I thought, oh, I'm so scared. Well, that is fear. That's yeah. what I just saw. So it, I, I just okay. started as in the name of Jesus. I command you to leave. Okay. Hotels are some of the worst places in the world. I've done a lot of traveling, a lot of hotels in the last the 15 years. Okay. Now, listen. If you see demonic forces in dreams, I have. I mean, actual demons in a dream, okay? How is God going to show you that the room may be full of demons? He shows you demons. <laughs> he manifests what they are. Was I, was I scared? Petrified. I couldn't move in these dreams. I'm trying to rebuke them in Jesus' name. Some people are so good at it. Oh, no, in mine, it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm horrible. I must really need some more something. I need some uh, deliverance instructions from Frank here. You know, I... I from her. I'm You're the discerner. Nice. Nice combination. Yeah. And you got to find, is that a lie or the truth and whatever? And obviously he's lying to her. Okay, now, anyway, so the point being with that, I've been in rooms and hotels, uh, you know, and it's true, you should probably pray the peace of the Lord upon these rooms. You, you don't, you know, you got to learn your, I had to learn my lesson, huh? Yeah, and so I go, well, that's kind of a religious prayer, until you get, you, you see all the demons in that room. I mean, very dark things happen in hotels, okay? So I'm in this room in Butler, Missouri at the Days Inn, room 316, you don't want to go there, okay? So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, honest to God, I n I've never gone back there to the, I mean, there, I'm not going in that room. Um, uh, my sister came and worked with me. She's on that double bed. I'm over here on this one in the night. I, I thought I woke up, you know, in, within the dream. I woke up and there were these black human, uh, these black human-like forms. Some were sitting on my bed and pressing against my chest and my legs. They were sitting on me and a couple of them standing there. I mean, I'm so petrified. I am just you know, you're petrified, literally petrified. I couldn't even, and so I'm going, in the, in the, in the name of, you know, it just sounds goofy, right? So I'm trying to get this out to rebuke these demons, and I look down at the base of the bed, and they're sitting on the, the um, lazy boy at the base of the bed is this hippie-looking guy just rocking, you know, and he's rocking the chair and stuff, and he's looking at me, and I'm going, <laughs> would you help out? Would you get rid of these things for me? You know what? And that, that was an angel. And I said, would you please rebuke these things and get rid of these things for me? I mean, I didn't know it was an angel. And, you know, this, what can a hippie guy do? Well, I mean, I used to be one, but, all right. <laughs> and boom, instantly they were gone. Just by, okay, they were gone. But I saw, <laughs> you know, so don't get me wrong. You can see demons, whatever, but was it a God dream? Absolutely it was a God dream. Revealing to me what was in that room and saying, Craig, it would be best that you kind of clean this room up before you come into these rooms. Uh, one, one hotel I was at, I saw the owner of the hotel in a dream in the room. I had the room right next to the head desk, front desk, on the first floor. I saw in the dream uh, what this owner does to some of his employees while things are not too busy. I mean, there's a lot of hanky-panky going on in that hotel. I saw the guy, but I didn't see the guy when I checked in. 
Next morning I got up and looked, yep, that's the guy I saw. Came that close, I didn't know what I was supposed to do with it, but I, looking back, I think I made a mistake. I think, you know, by the way, we all get to make mistakes, okay? The Lord said, no, I mean, I think the thing would have been just tell the man, whatever you're doing, you better stop. I know what you're doing and you better stop. I mean, it could have been just a warning. I could have extended that. Why would God show me that? Sure, to show me that what kind of spiritual forces are at work there, but I don't care about that. I, I, you know, like, okay, so. But nonetheless, I could have said, um, God knows what you're up to or whatever, and, he's, and, and uh, you know, his warning is you better stop. Something like that, right? But <laughs> dream, uh, hotels, bad places. Have sometimes. you ever done it yourself or known anybody that had a specific thing they were going into or wanted to know about and ask, but was shown a dream concerning that issue? Yeah. My brother Kent is a pastor, and he... Uh, does a lot of this where before he goes to bed he asks the Holy Spirit questions all right and he says please through a dream would you help me out I need guidance do, you know even guidance do I take this job not do I take this pastor this church or whatever is that kind of where you're leading absolutely my brother does it very di diligently and I don't do it probably enough when I have questions you know you can ask him would you give me a revelation of that Bible verse uh, would you help me with this situation what don't I know that I need to know about this and especially the last thing you're meditating on before you go to bed can be quite likely uh, to show up in your dreams, no matter what it is. Even if you're, you know, watched a cowboy show, you're, you might have a couple cowboys in your dream. Or just the theme of the show, you know, that theme will be, you know, that would be soulish. But if you go to bed with a meditation of the Lord on your heart and with bringing that issue before God, and I'm saying if you do this for a half an hour or an hour, there's a good likelihood he'll speak to you about that in the night. You can't control God, and many times he won't do it that night just to show you that, no, I'm God, by the way. I just want to keep you in check here. But a few <laughs> nights later, you know, if you persist, keep tugging on that garment, uh, he can show you that. Yes, definitely. Uh, you need answers, and he's the spirit of truth, and he's going to reveal truth to you. It, it might not come to a dream, but it'll come to you no matter what. But um, many times people have gone to bed, and some people can do it very readily. And my brother is one of them who seems to get real good results with that. So a husband and wife need to make a decision about something and see if they can both join together and say, speak to one of us and talk about it when they wake up. Absolutely. It's just another way of praying and asking God for direction. Yep. My wife and I do that all the time. If there's a pressing issue, we'll both go to bed and say, let's pay attention now. God, would you please minister to us? By the way, if you feel a little sleepy and tired, uh, this is the place to do it because when you wake up, all I ask is that you... Um, Tell us the dream and we'll interpret it for you, okay? So, see, you're so free at dream classes. It's so wonderful. All right, any other questions there? You want to talk a little bit about angelic visitations? Okay. It's another type of uh, visit. Uh, by the way, all dreams, all God dreams are angelic, are really visitations from heaven. And they're angelic in the fact that they bring a message. Angel means messenger, right? So, really, I mean, they're all visitations, but... My wife and I learned, uh, if you're on page, what, eight? Uh, after, see, there again, I just pay attention to all these things over the years going on in the nighttime. And after a while, actually, it first happened in my 911 warning dream. Uh, I thought it was a dream. I've come to realize now it was probably an angelic visitation. I wake up, uh, or at five in the morning or so, a few days before September 11th, I hear loud banging on our back door. At five in the morning, I'm sleeping. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, so loud, the whole neighborhood should have been able to hear it. And my dog is barking, okay? I lunge up out of my bed. I 
jump over and I kind of crawl over my wife, I'm looking out the back window that's right by our back door to find out who is at our back door at five in the morning. And I'm thinking, oh my word, is this one of our kids that need to get in there? Do we lock them out? Uh, is, uh, is, it, is it a thief coming? Uh, what's going on? And I was so shaken because this noise was so loud and I uh, was looking, finally I, I told, uh, told Vicky, I said, Vicky, wake up, wake up, what is that? What do you think that is? Vic, 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 she didn't apparently hear the noise. And as I realized, I realized, and this is all happening in split seconds, I realized, oh, wait a minute. And then I realized the dog's not barking anymore. Since I woke up, I haven't heard the dog bark. The, the door knocking had stopped. And I went, wow, whoa. But in me was the, I mean, God gave me a big heavy load. I knew something terrible, terrible, terrible was going on. The lo and by the way, interpret now, loud pounding on the back door could mean what? Warning, first of all, wake up. Second of all, emergency. 911, call 911. There's something tragically, I mean, in my emotions, I knew something very terrible is wrong. What do you do when you do, you know, pounding on the back door or whatever? I ran, I, and normally when I get angelic visitations in the night or warning dreams, I, am, I see how fast I can run from here into the living room on my knees, and I'm interceding before God as fast as I can. I want to show God how I am first employed by him. I mean, I am first in partnership with him. You know what? Uh, you say, well, no, I work for this guy from 8 to 5 in the morning. Listen, no, we are first gods. And if you will first give that to God. God will make a way in the wilderness and a river in the wilderness. He'll make a way for you to get up that next morning and or he'll get rid of that job and get you one that you can serve him 24 hours a day. Uh, you know, see what I'm saying? So I get up, I run in the room and this, this is the longest time I've ever interceded uh, and I uh, prayed for, interceded for probably an hour, an hour and a half. It felt the release to get up. I knew something was wrong. Now, went back later and over the years when I started getting more of these visitations, like things, I recognize them as angelic visitations. Again, you're all looking for, and we're all looking for these things with wings on. Biblically, angels came to people, and you can see in this, I've got, um, actually, it's not in this one. I have another sheet, a uh, supplement sheet, which shows the biblical times where people are awakened by angels and are, are uh, visited by angels to verify this stuff. Uh, we can be asleep or awake. Luke 12 talks uh, indeed a lot about the fact that God comes in the night. What angels look like, Daniel 8:15. Gabriel had the appearance of a man, remember? And you think, no, so stop thinking angels. And even stop thinking, see, I find, finally uh, believe now it wasn't even a dream. It's some other trance-like thing. It's whatever, it was a visitation, but because I realized I wasn't dreaming when he woke me up. And I wasn't dreaming of something else and I didn't dream it. I mean, it was so fast. By the way, it doesn't really matter technically, but I started looking at angelic visitations. Angels can come to us in many means, a knock on the door. Has anyone ever been, be, uh, woke up from a knock on a door or something in the middle of the night that may not have been natural? You kind of wonder, wow, what's that all about? Anyone? Anyone have a phone bell, a phone ringing in the middle of the night? And you wake up and go, oh, oh, I must have been dreaming. I could have sworn. I mean, I heard the phone ring, but I was only dreaming. Okay? Um, a voice calling out your name. Is that scriptural that it could be something other than you just being a little loony and, you know, Donna's a little bit that way? I thought I was. Okay, she thought she was. 
in the scriptures did, the, did God ever call out these people's names? Samuel, Samuel, Cornelius. Right? Huh? Yeah, yeah, Donna. It took Samuel, what, three times to figure it out? Well, the, finally he got the wisdom. No, no, it's the Lord talking to you. So why do we first default to uh, goofy um, coincidence, must be nothing, must have been dreaming. We just excuse ourselves right away out of the kingdom of God and listening to angels. And I can show you, and I'll show you in that next book, more fruit that happened by listening, paying attention to these things. So it knocks on the door. After September 11th, we kept getting knocks on doors. And guess what? Middle of the night, we'd get a knock on our bedroom door. Now, for you older people, who is mostly knocking on your bedroom door at 2 in the morning? Your children. Well, our children are grown now. At the time, they weren't. When we first started getting these, we started paying attention. We have three kids. And we started realizing sometimes there were one knock. There was just one knock, sometimes two, and sometimes three knocks. Why? To, to pray for our oldest with one knock. Two knocks would be Christine. Three knocks would be Paul. Or when it was three, I made sure to cover all of my kids, especially if they were all in one place at that time, for instance. I've come to believe that angelic visitations normally, quite so, they can speak of things to come. I mean, everything's about things to come, but many times it's things that are present or near or extremely imminent, where the thing where you wake up and you call that person and say, where were you at 2 a.m. in the night? <gasps> I was in a dark alley and I was threatened with my life. That's funny because I was praying for you. you know, you've heard those stories, right? So the point is generally, I find angels come to alert us of things present that we need to deal with to, to fix things, okay? Most of the time. And that's played out quite a bit. They can also be talking about something two months from now if they want to. They can do you know, whatever they want. But we find out, we put the shotgun down with our prayers about our kids, and I pull out the rifle if I get two knocks and know that Christine might have, be having a little problem in, in Seattle. Okay? Something's wrong. And I'll call her up that next day and said, Christine, I had an angelic visitation last night. She says, Dad, it's funny you did. Of course, it's not even funny anymore because she knows. And she says, here's what's going on. To the point where she says, tells her empl employees, I can't even do anything without my parents knowing about Well, she's not trying to hide anything but we even know ahead of time. We even know when it's happening. We know when to pray. And by the way, tongues, I never prayed in tongues like I probably should have. Since dreams, I tell you, I'm a tongue talker in the middle of the night because I don't know exactly what I'm praying for. Many of these, even warning dreams, even angelic visitations, you don't quite understand who it is, but I don't care who it is anymore. Knowing that one day it was my kids that could have been killed, I hope it's your kids that I'm praying for. I hope it's my neighbor kids. I don't care who it is. It's worth saving lives, and that's the business we're in. That's who I serve, and I will do it for God. I don't have to know, and many times I don't know. We just do our part, and we follow and so forth. But by the way, the way they knock on my door tells me how important this is, how severe it is. It may just be an important issue for a job, something or whatever. It may not be that much of a 911 situation. So I get different knocks, the intensity of the knocks, okay? Phone calls. Sometimes it's my phone that sits right here. Sometimes it's my cell phone. Sometimes it's, if, remember when you, I first got the cell phone that you, heard, you found out about different rings you can make it have? Here's your family members, here's your extended family. Powerful testimonies, don't have time to get into too much, of 
God will even show you who it is based on the phone ring on a cell phone. And I'm up praying. Beautiful. Isn't that great? Sometimes the doorbell rings. By the way, if it's the front door, knock. I perceive it's a knock on our front door. It's not about family members or extended family. Friends come in our back door. They know better. Front door, maybe complete strangers. Maybe, it, you know, maybe the future. Could be the future. But when it's our back door, it's not about the past because we know our back door is our common door. So now all of a sudden this past thing is out of the way for the most part. You get that? Okay. So, knocks on their doors, calling out our names. I've had my name call out. Um, uh, many of you know I went for seven days and seven nights down into a fruit cellar in the night or to be in darkness and silence for seven days and seven nights. Very profound thing that I did when I was in the year 2000. That was prophesied that I should be taken some time for God like that. I didn't know at first it would be that. Two years later, I decided to go away uh, to North Dakota to this same house, actually a house next door that I was able to use in the middle of the winter. I was, uh, uh, was going to go away for 30 days. I love to sit before God and just listen for 30 days, okay? Like I said, if you say, I don't hear from God, try seven days and seven nights in a fruit cellar. You will hear from God, okay? All right? And so I went for 30 days, and for the 30 days on the... By the way, when I go to this little tiny town of 100 people, the house is kind of on the edge of town, I put a big sign on my door, on the outside of the door, it says, under any circumstances, do not knock on this door. I don't want to see a person for 30 days. I don't leave the house for 30 days. Okay? Do not knock on this door. Call this number. <laughs> and I give them my wife's number. Okay? So, I'm in the, like, seventh day of this 30-day stay. I'm sleeping one night. Saturday, uh, early Sunday morning, about 3 in the morning or whatever time it was, I hear someone calling out my name. It's an angel calling out my name. Craig! Now, emotionally, Craig! Kind of like there's a problem. Just the way it was. Even more than that, they used my wife's voice. It was my wife calling out my name. So I realized right away, what, what, what do you think right away? What's going on? There's something going on at home. I don't have, my cell phone doesn't work in this valley. Um, it's winter, uh, no phone, it's a summer home. And uh, I thought right away, I'm down on my knees. I'm interceding for my wife and for my wife where she's at home at five in the morning. What's going on? I am putting up prayers to God. I'm also getting very concerned because how could I, if I don't check this out, how could I last 30 days just being, having this being bugged that there was some crisis at home? Now I'm going to pray it through, but there's something going on. So I got up that day, had a miserable day, and I thought, what do I do? What do I do? Uh, that was Sunday. Monday morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, a real knock on my door where there's the big sign that says, do not knock. Do I know that someone's coming? That someone's been sent to knock on my door to get me? I know this. Go open the door, and it's like, yeah, 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 I know. I mean, I knew what he's going to tell me. Craig, you're supposed to call home. I know. So I shut the door. Happened to be able to get my, this car started that was in this garage. I found the keys, got this old clunk started. I got up to the top of the hill. It wasn't even my car. I had my brother take my car away so I couldn't run in those 30 days. And, uh, and I went, I got to the top of the hill, called my wife, and I said, honey, what's up? What went wrong? I got the angelic visitation. What's up? She said, the furnace blew up Saturday morning. 
or Sunday morning, early in the morning. Really? Yeah, we had a very old furnace. She said it completely just blew up. And she said it just so happened my oldest son, Carrie, had gotten up in the night for the bathroom or whatever. He was walking right past the upstairs door when it blew up, and he was able to run right down to make sure there was no fire or whatever, you know, in case you know, there was the fire extinguisher and whatever. Everything was under control. But we have a, you know, we have more expensive furnaces than you do down here, okay? <laughs> we have a bill to pay. Now, I'm going without income for 30 days. It's tough enough. Now, and she's, my wife's crying. It's 10 below, and there's no heat in the house for the last 24 hours. So, the, I mean, they, um, some um, people brought in these little, our little electric heaters. She said, well, we all spent all night long in just our bedroom last night, and the, it's not too cold yet. The, you know, the hoses aren't freezing and all that stuff, or the pipes aren't freezing, and they should be coming in tomorrow. But, Craig, we need to buy a furnace. What do we do? They're just waiting on us. And I go, okay, well, we got to buy a furnace. And, you know, made some arrangements, whatever. Got off the phone, went back down to the house. I lasted about three more hours and, saw, and called my brother, or went back up the hill, called my brother, said, you got to come get me. I just felt I needed to go back. So that ended that day. How did I find out? I found out, uh, by the way, within a half an hour, within the very time it's happening, I get this angelic visitation calling out my name. But isn't that, wouldn't you rather get, an, wouldn't you rather get a notice ahead of time? Wouldn't you rather have time to pray about it? Could have been much worse. I don't know if it happened just as it was happening. I don't know if I had a few minutes to pray, but it was no surprise to me, okay? This is how we live. We know things of the future. We know things that are going on before they say it, okay? You can know this stuff. Um, doorbell's ringing, uh, phone's ringing, a voice calling out your name, a poker touch. We've been poked and touched. One day I was sleeping on my back. I got poked so hard in my back, and I'm going, wait a minute here. <laughs> Where is this guy coming from? <laughs> you know, I got so poked so hard, though, that I said, God, was that you? And I thought, oh, yeah, like the devil's going to try to poke me hard. In our house, I tell you what, we don't get many visitations from the devil in the light anymore because he knows what our response is going to be. He knows that we're going to respond. Even if it was the devil that poked me, it's like, gee, you're such a loser, devil. I'm going to be in that living room within a few seconds. I'm going to be on my knees, and you are so gone. See what I'm saying? You win either way. But I believe it was God alerting me to something. Never knew what that was. One day, one day Christine, my daughter, called out my name in, in the, you know, Dad! And again, it was stressful. She was living with us, going to college. It was a few days before Easter. Went, prayed, drove her to college the next day. I said, and uh, I said, honey, uh, God gave me an angelic visitation. I've been praying for you. She didn't say anything. After Easter, a few days later, I'm driving her to uh, college. And she said, Dad, you wouldn't believe. Uh, she said, I had a week from hell at work. You know, sometimes how everything that can go wrong will go wrong. She had that kind of week. She was a manager now of this shop. She worked for a clothing store. Everything went wrong. By the way, I had a vision while I'm on my knees. Uh, I knew it was about Christine, and I had a vision. I don't have a lot of them. had a vision, and I saw my daughter like this, and there's a, she's holding onto a purse strap. It's flipped up high in the air, and she, she said, Dad, I'm falling. So what did I know? I know she was falling. There was being tripped up somehow. What would the purse tell me? Concerns... Her means of making money. And what does she do? She works at a shop. My daughter is so into fashions, so that's why she works at a clothing shop at the time. 
It's about that store. There's a problem at work. I had knowledge. I prayed about the work. I prayed about what this it might be, and I prayed in tongues. So a few days after Easter, I didn't tell her anymore. She said, Dad, I got to tell you, it was a week from hell. Everything that could go wrong at work went wrong. It was like I could have been fired. I forgot to order this, and I'm a manager, and all these things. She was a good manager. Uh, and she said, and I went to work yesterday. That's the first time she told the employees after she said I went to work on Monday and I said you know I can't even do anything without my parents knowing about it but do you think she feels comfortable knowing that mom and dad hear from heaven about her problems you better believe it think she feels like there really is a God this religion stuff is true you better believe it is she a believer yes she said many warning dreams she calls me up last week and says uh, I got a call I looked on my cell phone five in the morning did I mention this one last night five in the morning I get a call from my daughter you don't want to get a call from your daughter at five in the morning from Seattle right now actually I got the, so she called my time it was seven called her back at seven thirty. I said what's up why'd you call um anyway her husband caliber her his um cousin uh has a uh five-year-old four-year-old uh son she doesn't have a husband but she has a boyfriend they uh, were going to the store they came back out in the car and the boy wasn't breathing they rushed him to the hospital, and he was declared dead. And she said, but then he started beating. But within two days after this period, he was taken off the life support system and died. She said to me that first day, she said, Dad, I wonder who had the warning, or if anyone had the warning dream. I said, no, I wonder who had the warning dream. And she said, I said, keep your eyes and ears open. She gets back to me two years, two days later, says, Dad, I found out who had the warning dream. And it was her stepsister had the warning dream. In the dream, Caesar sister's car going by at a high speed going past on the highway and she sees in the back seat someone going like this in the back seat and in fact the mother the boyfriend drove the car and the mother was in the back seat giving him artificial respiration or doing the the breathing thing right the girl the sister didn't know to pray the boy died i got a, I was going to put a picture up here of uh an overhead of my my daughter holding this little boy that died just rips the heart out of you when you hear these things. I've hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these dreams from people. That it's it's happening all the time. God is a loving God and He is warning us. Okay. Um, other things. So these angelic visitations, quite a few, you know, many testimonies that just be listening. The night hours and you just gotta learn and listen to see how God works with you. But He's gonna put you through so many different things, dreams, visions in the night, angelic visitations. You can get this stuff. Pokes, by the way, pokes in your back. Angels poked a man. Who was it in the dream? He said, poked and said, get up. Uh, I, well, I think even Paul or Peter, in the, when they were in prison, got poked and the angel let him out, right? But there was an angel that poked uh, a man in the Old Testament and told him to get up, touched him, all right? Uh, we've also felt, uh, Vicky has felt uh, wind even going through the room. We've uh, heard uh, barking dogs. How about a dog barking in the middle of the night? Uh, uh, someone has, uh, I know someone else heard a dog in the, they live on the farm. They don't have dogs. There isn't dogs within my house. They heard a barking dog, like barking. What is a dog, bar, dog barking in the night normally telling you? Something's up. Pig hunt in my house. Yeah, pig hunt in his house. All right. Well, one friend of ours, one friend of ours, the wife, woke up to a, a shotgun blast in the house. If you're a wife, you wake up to a shotgun going off, maybe downstairs in the house, what might be going on? 
could be robbery. Their, her, their kids were gone, so that leaves it down to her and her husband. Might be a suicide. Her first thought was, oh my God, my husband just shot himself because they were going through some real financial problems with their house they just built, okay? She turns and looks. Thank God, there's her husband laying in bed. She wakes him up and says, honey, I just had a dream. I just had a, uh, a dream that a shotgun blast went off. And he looked at her and said, honey, would you pray for me right now? And matter of fact, Curtis was in town that night. And I first heard about the dream. Remember that? First heard about the dream when Curtis and I are over at another person's house, a former church member or whatever, and, and, and someone tells me this warning dream. And I grabbed him and I said, let's get over to that house right now. We need to minister to this guy. He's a friend of ours. We went over and Pastor uh, Curtis talked him for a couple hours. All this stuff. Matter of fact, that, I don't know if I told you this, that night I go to bed and I got that cell phone ring thing. There was an extended friend cell phone ring. I woke up and I prayed for all the extended friends I could think of. And I just prayed in tongues. That next morning, I told my wife, we had to drive two hours away. I said, honey, I got this extended friend phone call in the middle of the night, angelic visitation. I prayed for that. This was after Curtis said, you know, talk to him, minister to him, whatever. This, this uh, gentleman, a uh, friend of ours, that afternoon on the way back from this place where we went, I get a tel the telephone rings exactly with the same ring as in the dream, as in the angelic visitation. So I thought, no, this is no coincidence. I don't care who it is. It's the man who got, or it's the person who God was, that I was praying for last night. Turned and looked at it and was in fact the very same man. Picked up the phone and said, hi, how you doing? Good. He said, I just want to thank you guys for coming over last night. And uh, he thanked Curtis and all this stuff, and he was very grateful that we came over. I mean, isn't that beautiful? You know, is that ministry of the highest degree? Man, we are right on, right in time, man. Put away the shotgun. We're right there. We're doing the stuff. She heard a shotgun blast, and he, he confirmed it, that, that things were not going well for him. By the way, uh, about 2 o'clock one day, about this time of day, at a class in Minnesota a number of years back, guy comes up to me on the break and we should probably take a break the guy comes up to me on the break and says so what do you think of deja vu and i said i'll tell you exactly what i think he said what do you think it is i said i'll tell you exactly what i think deja vu is and i'm sitting there going i don't know what deja vu is <laughs> <laughs> and the lord kind of just said to me and this happened maybe one or uh, two or three times in my life where the lord just, just said just open your mouth and i'll i'll tell him what it means you know because i'm like oh lord what does it mean so i said i'll tell you exactly what it means <laughs> Ah, uh, no, and I just went right into it. I said, oh, you know how fast this stuff happens, you know, with God and stuff. So I, he said, just, just talk. Okay, I'll tell you exactly what it means. Um, I believe deja vu is a result of you having a dream sometime in the past, a prophetic dream, but because you did not write down that dream when the incident years later or whatever time later happens, you cannot put an association of where you got this so you think, doo -doo -doo -doo, maybe in another lifetime or something this happened or I've been here before. Yes, you were here before in your dreams, <laughs> okay, in your dream. And he says, well, that makes perfect sense. I said, really? He says, yeah, because I've had deja vu all day long. Craig, I've taken your class before. You're the man in the dream. You must have been the man in the dream because you look so familiar. And the things you're saying, I've heard all this stuff. <laughs> He'd been through the class already. And uh, only in his dreams. But so, deja, does that make sense? You know, you just cannot pinpoint where you got this information. But you got fragments of memory, but you can't locate it. 
That's why we need to write down these dreams. Because he would have said, if he would have written down all his dreams, he would have said, Craig, or gone back home and said, oh my word, there it was, 2003, I had a dream that I'd be at this dream class. And it, and it prophesied my future. Okay? Signs and wonders. Curtis gave us one last night. Um, after the dream thing, then came signs and wonders for me. As it, see, as you start paying attention to the mysteries of God, you will start walking in the realm of all. I mean, you will start getting more and more things. Why? Because you're believing. You're not uh, uh, just uh, taking these things and, and saying, no, that must have been coincidence, whatever. Actually, we'll talk about that after the break, okay? And we'll kind of finish up. All right, so go ahead and take a break if you want. Take a break if you don't want. <laughs> just take a break. <laughs> yeah, take a break. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, please. Okay. So my husband had this dream, and he was dreaming in black and white. Okay. And it was really weird, and I don't know if it's a soul dream or not, mm-hmm. and I've been thinking about it all day. So it's, he just had it, and he usually doesn't remember his dreams, but he, we go, and it's like we're driving to another city, mm-hmm. and we're in New York, I guess, okay. and we go into this, like, nightclub, I guess, something like that, like, it's really nice, and you um there's like a performer who's okay. on stage and we're all there like in a round table and then he said that the performer's job was to like come down and like talk to all the people mm-hmm. and so he said that one by one everyone and then like he said fourth like one of the guys our cousin was there one by one each of us get up and like go talk to someone or like go to the bathroom so when the performer comes to the table he sits down and they start talking and then todd yeah. Yeah, Todd and him. And because you guys talking. are dispersed. Yeah, we're Todd. Okay. And so it's just Todd and him talking. Mm-hmm. And then, like, somehow Todd asked him, um, you know, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Like, something like, do you believe in Jesus Christ or something? And then something about Jesus and telling him he's a Christian. Or, are you a Christian? And he kind of ministers to him, I guess. And then um, this guy looks at him and he said, when the guy looks at him, there's, like, a funnel mm-hmm. that, like, kind of goes out like where it's like okay. focusing and he's like no I'm not but let me tell you what I am and then he wakes up but I don't know if that's a soul dream or what mm-hmm. I just told him your dream but it, it seemed seemed to have a lot of weight to you now here's one thing yeah, I he s- woke up and he felt like weird right now here's one thing I say about when someone else tells me someone else's dream I put a little disclaimer on this thing saying this uh, like a mother sometimes will tell me a dream of a daughter, things like this. And I just say, listen, just want you to know something. You could not use one word that you heard your husband use when he first told you it, and that one word can make a difference in the whole interpretation. Right. It could throw us all off. Right. So it's very hard. And so when I tell people in emails, please get the exact words of, of you know, of the thing. Yeah, you can't remember it. So all I'm saying is that, you know, it's a little bit difficult for that. Now... <sighs> Did you have, but you woke up and what was the emotion? Or what was the feeling about it? You don't remember that? No, I didn't even remember the dream. Yeah. But, yeah. By the way, again, two things. Number one, a black and white dream, just because you have a black and white dream, I don't discount that God can't give you a black and white dream and it could be a God dream. I'm just saying, again, generally speaking, 
it wouldn't be it, it's it seemingly isn't mm -hmm. normally but that doesn't say it isn't here especially when you say you know there was a significant emotional response there was something there and, and all that stuff now the other thing you have to look back at what was the context of his life at the time what was going on in his life well you know job uh, um, obviously oh it did yeah. oh okay okay so it's kind of that well, fresh well, anyway, it, could, it could, be, could have been that and not. I sure wish we could get it from him on that. But the performer, um, um, I'm not getting that much. But on the other hand, I'm being pulled to get back to the class here, too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, maybe someone else got something on that, too. But, mm -hmm. but it could be a God dream. So, but what you look for, New York, I would find out what York means, and it would be a New York. I would look up even meanings of cities, meanings of people's names, meanings of even objects, and, you know, what maybe they mean to find out if, is there a tip in there somewhere, okay? So I would check that out to just see if there's um, something you can learn for that, because the interesting thing is this performer, what is the performance thing that's going on? And it could be that uh, he had this, see, that tunnel thing could be tunnel vision, could be talking about the fact that someone's got tunnel vision here. Now, it was he who had the tunnel vision type thing looking at Todd, mm -hmm. okay? So, why does he have the tunnel vision? And he was a performer. And he tells Todd what? What does he say? Or what does Todd say? He asked him if he was a Christian. Oh, yeah, he witnesses to him a little bit, right? Or asks him about his Christian, being a Christian. So, so, yeah. If it would be a God dream, the thing would be, is there something that that parallels in your life at work or in church or whatever that you've questioned a person where they're at spiritually or something? And um, you said, I mean, you want to find how that parallels something really going on in your life. But it seems to be a little cloudy to me. It could, and there again, being black and white could very well be a solace, but I'm trying to work with that, but I'm not getting, there again, sometimes you just, you're not getting anything, you know? And most of the time that will happen, solar stream. So you just kind of go, okay, <laughs> I'm just not getting anything on that. Because a lot of strange things can happen in solar streams too. And you can be emotionally a little bit shaken or whatever, you know. So I don't know about that. And you told it to me. So, and by the way, by you telling it to me, it brings even more doubt into me. Now, it doesn't mean when people don't, especially mothers and whatever, they can tell me, oh boy. But on the other hand, mothers can be so partial to the way they tell a dream. Uh, but but nonetheless, I try to give people a gist of what I'm getting, even if someone tells me the dream third party, but I just put that asterisk and the disclaimer saying, listen, this could be so off, but I'm getting themes of this, or it's kind of speaking of this to me and so forth, and I do the best I can. All right, why don't we finish here? Wish I could have helped more on that one. Okay. Uh, from a study of dreams, a man named Morton Kelsey did stats on prophetic dreams, and he said, he claimed this. You know, first of all, he mentions that we have four to five dreams every night. And we have, yeah, anywhere from three to seven dreams. You could have more, you could have less, but you're dreaming every night. He said, this man claimed prophetic dreams are rare and happen less than 1% of our dreams. I have a real problem with that. That's not been my experience. I think, well, there again, I think most every God dream is prophetic in a sense, right? I kind of explained this to a lot of people last night. But nonetheless, I thought, okay, that would be the very minimum I would ever think. I mean, that would be like, that seems lower to me. However, let's go with it.
let's say you had a prophetic dream of one, you had a prophetic dream 1% of the time. Do you realize if you then, if there was a church, now that would mean, by the way, you'd have, uh, if you had four to five dreams a night, I did the calculation, that would mean that you might have 7.3 prophetic dreams each year. You would, okay? Seven prophetic dreams each year that might be very significant to you, okay? Now, let's say you had a, um, yeah, 7.3, and actually, if you had up to five, it could have up to 18.25 prophetic dreams each year, I guess. But anyway, each person, I wrote down the calculation thus, each person has seven to 18 prophetic dreams each year, or 490 to 1260 dreams per year, uh, or over a 70-year lifetime. So you could have between 490 to 1260 prophetic dreams in a lifetime. And you can say, well, I don't think that much. I think maybe more or whatever. It doesn't matter. But it's to give you a picture again of telling you things to come. Listen, a church of 70 people under those statistics just from this one man's observation, that means a church of 70 people has 500 to 1,300 prophetic dreams each year. How many did your church have last year? You know, and all I'm saying is not that they were corporate, not that they were all corporate by any means, but here people are having prophetic dreams of things to come, and in, this, in any given church, you can go and say, well, so how many prophetic dreams did your members have this last year? I don't know. I mean, you know, what would be the answer? Most, in most churches, it'd be, no, I don't know, none. We don't, we don't keep tr track of that stuff. When God speaks through these dreams, can minister through those dreams, we need to have an operation and a ministry and a doctrine for dreams. You see the significance? That's all I'm saying. That's all. We're having them. Let's just try to collect what we can. Let's try to interpret what we can. And even what we can, the little we can, to begin with even, could be extremely significant. You want uh, growth in a church? You want to do the right things? You know, listen to the prophetic words. Listen, uh, when I first uh, started listening to prophecies, which is another mystery, another outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I, um, uh, the person who came to our church, I befriended, and he said, Craig, God's speaking through these prophetic words. And I said, no, I don't listen to prophetic words anymore. I'm so tired of that lady standing up every Sunday and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Okay, no one else feels that way, all right, you know. But listen, I became a person of unbelief. And by the way, I was a spirit-filled Christian. Spirit-filled spirit Christians are the ones who, they, we, we, we boast that we, we believe all this stuff, that there's interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Yet, how many churches, and how many people, I should say, go to churches, they listen to a word from God, they stand up, they cheer, and you get the goosebumps, and you go out to pizza two hours later, how many of you can remember what was prophesied in church that day? How many people remember? How many wrote it down? That's right. So what we did in the church at that point, we then started, because this guy said, no, God is speaking in this church. He, he speaks through prophecies. So we started recording every single prophetic word in this church that we were at for six months. We tr then transcribed all the prophetic words. The pastor had given a bunch of tongues interpretations, different speakers that came in, all the words that happened. We transcribed it all, put it in a folder, and presented it to the pastor uh, after six months. The overall theme of what God was saying for those six months was, wait on me. Okay? I was amazed. It was very clear what the theme and the Spirit of the Lord was saying to our church. Wait on me. By the way, after three months, let's say, here came a prophetic word in the church, 
and someone, and, and, and I'm just giving you a hypothetical, and someone goes, go, 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 thus saith the Lord, go, step out, reach out, run, run the race, go, 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 something quite contrary to the rest of those. Now that would catch your attention, wouldn't it? Maybe it's time now to go, but then the, we had something like this in this, but then the next three months, all the rest of it was again, wait on me. Listen, sometimes you may get up on the wrong side of the prophetic bed. <laughs> a little off that day. That's fine. That's why we need to discern the words of the Lord. You know? But you can in the context of many. So we finally brought this to our pastor and the pastor and his wife. And we said, look, we've been recording this and you read it. I mean, you know, it's for the church here and for your benefit. But we believe, matter of fact, we had permission to put microphones, hang them from the ceilings and stuff. So we knew we were doing this. And what we got out of this was the Lord saying, wait on me. Just so happened our pastor's not the kind of guy who liked to sit around and wait on anything. Okay? It, it was too you. No, I can't. <laughs> it was not. And listen, no, I'm serious. Listen, this was grave. So he read these things, and his wife read them. She came back, they came back, and she said, This is unbelievable. Yes, he is saying, Wait on me. The pastor was like nearly boiling because. Well, what's the responsibility of most pastors on the outside? You've got to build numbers. You've got to do it fast. You've got to do it right. You've got to get the program. I mean, okay. I mean, this is, listen, his livelihood could depend on it. I've got a few problems with that. It's too bad. Sometimes could, could even the gospel be manipulated by money? I would, I, I, well, you know, I'm just saying. By the way, that's why I didn't ever ask for a penny for dreams. I know my own flesh. I'm one of them. I could be manipulated by money. I could tell that woman after 30 days, I could have told her the third day, here's the interpretation, pay me the money, right? I'm too weak in the flesh to, to do that. Uh, maybe the others are better, but anyway. So he, he read this all, and he just didn't have much to say that night when she came back, but she said, oh, you're right. Wait on me, that's what the Lord is saying, and she's jumping up and down. The very next Sunday, he got up and stood up in front of the service, and he, in the sermon, he said these words, at one point of the service, he said, waiting is not of God. And that was the church that uh, Curtis had built up and so forth, and that we had, had laid the foundation. We were going really well. Curtis left, and well, all I'm saying is, man, we were set free in God. Uh, by the way, you know, I mean, anyway, I started getting dreams. This was the beginning of my dream ministry. I saw a lake. I'm standing next to the pastor, looking out at a lake, and the lake was completely drained of water, except a little bit over here in the bay. And there was a wagon stuck, like a wagon train thing, you know, wagon stuck in the middle of the lake in the mud. I looked at the pastor, I said, should we, wagon, wagon. <laughs> yeah, sure, you betcha. <laughs> so, whoa, sorry, okay, I repent, I'm sorry. We know how to say wagon. Yeah. Off the wagon. Yeah. In the dream, I asked the pastor, "Should I go and get that? What is it? Whatever out of the out of the mud?" He says, "No, I'll just let it sit." I was too young in in the dream thing. I never talked to the pastor, whatever. But within a month, he announced to the church that the he said somehow, just really mysteriously, it's like the funds are being drained out of this church. He had about six more months and it was down to eight people and it was financially bankrupt. It pays to listen to the Lord. You know, God is not mocked. What a man reaps, <laughs> or what a man sows, he reaps. Paul, can you 
on earth as it is in heaven, right? If someone came up to me the other day and said, what's the latest move of God? I said, no, I don't know. I'm not seeing a real latest move of God. <laughs> I can't tell you what the latest move of God is. I don't know what God's doing. A lot of people don't know. I mean, there's a season where, you know, whatever. But nonetheless, God says, don't say anything. Don't say anything. God says, you don't know this interpretation. Don't give it. I, I did it once. I gave one false interpretation in my ministry. I repented for three days. Now, the reason I didn't give the true interpretation is I panicked because the interpretation was the man with the green pants. Okay? And the wife had given it to me. And while I knew what the dream meant, I did, couldn't give it to her because I panicked knowing that what would, I, what would a woman do if I told her her husband's having an affair? I hadn't quite, I wasn't ready to deal with that. And yet she was on a worship team at a conference we were at that day. And I, the, the Lord told me afterwards, he said, Craig, oh, by the way, here's what happened. Three days later, I, find, I get a call and find out, she said, a, a woman, another gal in the worship team said, you know that gal you, uh, you know, interpreted a dream for and stuff? Uh, while we were at that conference, her husband was having an affair for the first time and all this stuff, and it was found out. And uh, um, I repented for about three days. I said, I will never, ever again. But I, I, and I said, Lord, what did you want me to do? He said, Craig, you panicked. There were all those worship team members. They could have been there to help. You could have taken care of this. You just panicked and got ahead of me. Okay? But so. Right, but I did say something. Ah. I gave her a false interpretation. So I, by the way, I dodged the truth, you know. I dodged the truth enough that she wouldn't even get a hint, well, you know, that anything's going on there. And I'm telling you, I should have said, you know what? I, I, no, the Lord told me. He said, Craig, if you wouldn't have panicked, I could have got you through it. I could have come up to the worship team. He kind of insinuated, the worship team and gals, they love this woman. They could have helped. But by the way, when this woman is giving me the dream, she was, I never saw a woman shake so much. She was shaking so much, her cheeks were shaking. And if, yeah, she knew what it meant. And I wasn't about to confirm. I thought she'd fall right there. And the women are around there. And he said, Craig, Craig you panicked. So that was the means which I did, but I still repented because I don't like saying that I ever gave anyone something or dodged the bullet on this thing. And yes, I could, God could have said, it's, it's not for you to say, or I could have said, I'm not going to comment on that or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, not a, not a good day. I'm going to give you 10 tips on what you need to do. Okay, page 9. 10 things you need to do with your personal dreams. Number 1. Real simple. You, do you, are you at the page? Yeah. Well, first of all, pay attention to your dreams and visions. The number one thing I can tell anyone is start paying attention to the things you're hearing and seeing. Why don't you for a whole month say, I'm not going to say anything's coincidence. I'm not going to say, oh, it was only a dream. I'm not going to say that voice I heard, that's stupid. Would you please pay attention? Write it down. And uh, by the way, um, let's try to do some exploration to find out. Because seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given. Knock and it shall be open to you. All right? Number two, if you don't remember your dreams, pray to remember. There's an easy one. That's right. Before you go to bed then, I say, Lord, please bring them back. Pray. I just, Lord, I pray. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. The reason you've forgotten or you don't have that many dreams is because, there again, you push it aside and say, Lord, please bring them back. I repent. Please bring them back. Pray. I mean, and, you know, Shake the gates for a few nights. 
Number three, write the dream down in a journal, of course. Daniel 7, verse 1, it said Daniel wrote down the main facts and the details. Uh, be there, colors, emotions, context to the dream, whatever you feel that needs to be said or has to be said about the time, you, you know, and the, the situation working uh, or what you're going through in your life or in your heart around that time. The third one there, the date. Ezekiel 1, verse 1, it's all over in the Bible. It says, on the third day of the 11th year of the Lord's day of this and that, uh, King Ezekiel or Hezekiah, Hezekiah said to the, you know, the Lord said to King Hezekiah, remember? They wrote down the dates. Write down the date. Write down the time if you wake up. What time was it in the night? Okay? And title the dream. What I found out by titling the dream by the way, this isn't new. I mean, you know, there's other dream teachers talk about titling dreams. If you title the dream, here's what I found out, is that by titling the dream, when, when people will tell me a dream, sometimes I'll say, stop. First of all, what would you title the dream? You know, if it was a movie or something, what would you title the dream? Uh, and they'll tell me the title of the dream. Uh, pink elephant in the baseball field, right? Guess what they're telling you? More than not, they're going to tell you the central point of the dream, the focus of the whole dream, is the pink elephant. So I'm sitting there listening to the dream and I'm just waiting for the pink elephant to show up in the dream. See what I'm saying? When I get to that pink elephant, I know here's the work I got to do. Holy Spirit, what does this pink elephant represent? Because I know if I find out what the pink, pink uh, elephant represents, I'm going to have a good chance of getting this thing interpreted. Okay? So title that dream. By the way, the other reason you title is how do you know what dream to go back to? <laughs> you won't be able to find the dream you're looking for when you need to go back to it. All right, uh, number four, pray for the interpretation. Okay. Oh, by the way, uh, in D there, it says, review your dreams often. If they're prophetic dreams, you've got to go back and look at these dreams once in a while. You've got to know your dream world and your dream journey. Okay, pray for the interpretation, number four. When you wake up, the first thing is say, Lord, Holy Spirit, please help me interpret this dream. Give me something. <laughs> Throw me a bone. Okay, you right? I mean, come on, I... I I know it's vain if I don't get interpretation, Lord. So I'm telling you, I'm willing. Now you put the ball back in his court. It's up to him to bring revelation, right? You're willing. Number five, take time to ponder and meditate on the dream. Acts 10, 19 talks about that. Ask yourself what the dream parallels in your own life. What might this be like? It's a parable. So what does it parallel in my reality? What am I going through? Does this address the very thing I'm going through? Most of the time, it probably will. Okay? Look for the center point, the main focus. Look for that unusual thing. You ever see any unusual things in your dreams? Yeah, you do. That unusual thing in the dream that shouldn't really be there is probably the thing you need to really focus on and, and try to get interpreted. <sighs> Ask why this and not that. You know, I've never asked so much whys in my life since I started dream interpretation. And I should have been doing this a long time ago with right. everything I heard and saw. We need to be asking questions. We need to know the truth so that the truth will set us free. Don't just look up everything I say today. Just ask the Holy Spirit for, for wisdom, for revelation of that. But ask for the interpretation. Uh, take time to ponder it. And ask why this why? Do you see where we got with that? Do you see the wonderful example? The best example we had all day was this stupid woman with the, I mean, not the stupid woman, but this little diagram, this little stupid, goofy vision this guy had. Okay? Normally, he'd say, 
like, can I tell that to anyone? No, they're going to think I am absolutely nuts. By the way, he really see this guy sees a, in a vision of these people. I mean, he really sees real people walking with these animals in their back. I talked to one guy who says, normally, he says, Craig, I mean, I'm out at a restaurant and these lions come up and they put their head, a male lion puts his head right on the table and all this. He sees these things while he's having lunch. I mean, there's lots of people out there that are just extraordinary stuff that, you know, and either he is, cra well, you know, they would think he's crazy. Which I'm getting to a, a note here in a few minutes, by the way, on uh, a real good tip relating to that. Uh, number six, think symbolic, symbolically, figuratively, spiritually, scripturally. Not all the times, even if it's a scriptural picture, God says, yeah, it's, it's a scriptural picture. You could look at scripture, but I don't want you to look at it scripturally. You know, it's not about the line of the tribe of Judah. It's about something else here, okay? Just, just, but, but look at those ways, but see what the Holy Spirit is saying. See where he prompts you. See where he goes, yes and aha, uh -huh. okay? Number seven, share the dream with a friend. Two are better than one. Uh, Three-fold uh, cord is not quickly broken. And try ten. Try ten people are safe. Get their thoughts. Choose safe people. Amen? Yeah, Jacob. Yeah, well, you're going to say, you are absolutely crazy. You are loony as loony, okay? We need to practice. This stuff is practicing. You know, uh, do you ever know a faith healer who, I mean, if you talk to them, they didn't, they didn't heal, you know, 85% of the people the first time they ever went out. I mean, there are things that you learn from the Holy Spirit. You learn in preaching. You learn in all the gifts and offices. There's things to learn, right. so we need to learn them. And you're going to make a lot of mistakes. We get to make mistakes. That's the fun part. God will not judge you for him because he looks at the heart. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the fruit of the land. Okay? You're going to be benefiting from having that uh, heart, and God is so gracious. Oh, my. Uh, by sharing it more, thing, more things will surface. Go back to writing those things down. Ba matter of fact, sometimes people will tell me a dream, and I'll say, now tell me the dream again. They go, what? I just told it to you. Now tell me it again. You know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you more things they forgot to tell you than the first time. So sometimes, or, or the thing is you're just try, bind, uh, vine for time. <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, I don't know this. So just tell me again to, so I can be thinking about it. No. But mainly, I'm, I'm telling you, the second time they tell you, they'll tell you more bits of information. So if you're having trouble the first time, say, would you tell me the dream now one more time? It's one thing I've used to help me out. Okay? <sighs> Number eight, research what the symbols in your dream might represent. Seek and you shall find. I, when I first started, like I said, I did learn from the Holy Spirit. I still didn't even know if God even did this stuff. But when I get a dream, let's say I mentioned this earlier or to someone, I'd get a dream about a giraffe. I would get up, get in my car, drive down to the library, go down in the children's section, and I would check out and come home with a stack that thick of books, children's books on giraffes. I find out, and even these children's books, the neat part is very clearly and quickly, they tell you the gestation period of a giraffe, how many babies they normally have, the, you know, um, how long they live, and all these facts and characteristics of a giraffe. And from that I go, well, Lord, why the giraffe? Which character? And all of a sudden it's like, boom, I'd see one characteristic, whatever, the light shines out and God goes, that's what you have to glean about the giraffe. That's why the giraffe, okay? So, and now you have the internet. You don't have to go to children's libraries. <laughs> you, you have the internet. Okay, be careful, but you have it. 
and uh, you can uh, find out so many things. People's names, what people's names mean. If you want to go to the Christian uh, book on what people's names biblically mean and things like that. And um, define those things. But unless you seek and, and, and look and search, and some people might say, no, you know, I really, when someone has a dream, either you know it in, by the Spirit, you know how to interpret that or not. And I, I just differ, you know. And by the way, many, some of the Bible, uh, the dream teachers um, are really talking to you about dreams on terms of almost, ex I mean, not almost exclusively, but quite exclusively, showing you how to present this to the world in the marketplace. All I know is this. So I talk more in terms of with a Christian body, waking you up to this, but I'm telling you, I find more things in details and digging in. And I found out the details can be extremely important, but many times it's the context of how much time do you have. If you're going out in the marketplace, they want the interpretation now, you gotta put it into two or three nice clear sentences and really give them what you have right then because you're never gonna see them again, right? Otherwise, if there are people among us and whatever, we can talk, we can share, we can email back and forth, we can get down to this thing. We can ask questions and, and so forth, and we can get down to those uh, details and the things that really are important. And I'm finding that through that, dreams can uh, be far more uh, powerful and far more speaking, far more volumes the more you think in, uh, about those dreams and the more you deal with those. Okay? I mean, we'd never be able to do with this what we did if we couldn't sit for a period of time sitting here and doing this and having the believers all listen to the Holy Spirit within them and do that. Many times you're talking to an unsaved person, you know? You just want to know, what do you got for me? Okay? I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Some, some things um, that are referenced in the Bible that can mean different things. Yes. Uh, is that in your book? Or? Nope. That's why I tell you about this Ira Milligan guy. You want to look, it's just one, understanding the dreams you dream. Ira Milligan, okay? Yeah. A lot of the scriptural things. Yeah. But again, I tell you this. I say this, by, and then I say that find out what some of these are. There are some good generalities. Listen, if you're in a house, most of the time I was in my house, but it wasn't exactly my house. No, the reason it doesn't look like your physical house is because it's the house of you, your heart. It's what's in your heart when he talks about, I was in my house. I mean, more than not, I go, it's something in their heart because... God declared that God's revealing what's in your heart most of the time, right? And when you say, I was in my house, I know this is about you and about what's going on in your life. I was in my car predominantly has to do with your ministry, your um, path in your life, where you're going, where you're heading, what your destiny is. And sometimes you may be in a celebrity, uh, uh, Chevrolet celebrity, because you are just showing off what you're doing. God says, dump that celebrity and get a wagon, or get a wagon, get a, get a pickup, wagon, wagon, or, or whatever. But anyway, what kind of vehicle you're in, whether you're driving, you're in the backseat, all those things can make a difference, but it's about your life as, it, as you navigate down the road in life, in your walk with God. Uh, so... There are some of those prominent things, but house and car are the two biggest dreams people have that I found out, and others have found out too. Uh, dreams, I was in my house, or I was in my car, okay? Only it wasn't my car. And by, like I said, uh, you can know volumes of things because of that and by that. Um, number nine, study biblical dreams and parables. Uh, you know, learn from more people than just one. Just find, if you're serious about this stuff, find out what other people say. There's other people who, who will go exhaustively into scriptures, 
um, showing you the basics of why it's scriptural, scripturally sound and all that stuff for dreams. And they'll exhaust the scriptures. That's wonderful. If you need that, that's, that's great and do it. On the other hand, I think that, you know what? There's a lot of people who say, listen, I'm having dreams and I just know some of this stuff's from God. Give me what you have, Craig. And I try to get to the things I do to give, and I try to give you the fruit to show you by example. That's just my, one of my methods. I want to tell you the stories. So if you want to call me a liar after all that, saying that I made up all these stories, I think you're going to have a hard time. Okay? You know what I'm saying. So I want to show you the fruit. Others want to show you the scriptures. Others want to show you the marketplace purposes. So wherever you need to go or want to go, or believe the Lord's leading you, find those different types of teachers. Okay? And remember, just listen to the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit tells you in, in their teachings. All right? Uh, yeah, number 10, learn from other dream teachers. Books, whatever you can find. You may, you, you may want to find out studies, biblical studies, or studies, scientific studies on dreams. And that's what I'm reading right now. Uh, because, by the way, uh, as I think I mentioned, I'm doing a radio, the radio show. I want to have each week telling people, do you know if when, uh, it's impossible to dream when you're snoring? You know? That's what they found out, right? It's impossible. Impossible. Yeah. It's impossible for my wife to sleep when I'm snoring. Uh, but anyway, so there's all those things. You just need to find out what it means to you. But get a personal relationship with, with God, with your dreams, with your visions, with all those things. We are all miraculously different. Thank God. Hallelujah. We all have a part. Be who you are. Learn from the Holy Spirit and just uh, take this stuff and do what God wants you to do with it. And however it looks, just be faithful in whatever God gives you. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, I just pray, Father God, for everyone here today. Father, everything that we have said, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be bountiful in revealing the true things that were said here today, but more than that, the important things that, have to, uh, that need to go into each individual's heart. It may vary on what each one of us have heard today, but Father God, I pray that it goes deep. I pray that there were eternal things done today. I pray that there was a building up of faith today. I pray for the edification of the, these people, that, Father God, they would be built up, they would be better equipped, and I pray for uh, exponentially that they would come in to an understanding of dreams and interpreting their own dreams. I pray that you would make, where things were hard, that you'd make it easy. I pray that you would take any other stumbling blocks out of their minds and out of their hearts that would cause them not to interpret, Father God. I pray that everything you've shown me in my life, if there's a way, Father God, that you would download and just impart it by faith into this group who showed up today, who made the sacrifice of all these hours to sit and listen at your feet, Lord, for the things you have because these people are hungry and desperate and wanting and needing and they're willing, Lord God. Father, we do repent for letting any of the words in our lives fall to the ground that you've told us. We want to repent. We want to clean the slate because you offer forgiveness. We ask for your blood to be rich upon us, Lord God. And we pray, Lord, and we say, let this even be a new start, Father God, for us, that we are diligent like never before. Please open up your heart to us. Please open up dreams to us. And I pray for the people who don't have that many dreams. I pray that, or can't remember the dreams. I pray, Lord, that you would just cause them to remember their dreams now. As they, where there was no faith, that they would have a faith and that you would restore them their dreams, Lord God. And I thank you for them. Keep them, Lord, in your ways. I thank you for the kingdom of God that's being revealed to them. And I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.